you know, first very first X Games I was at, I was a Vans product team rider, so I was getting flow. And after the event, I got a silver medal. I'm sitting on the hay bales at the bottom, and I uh, this lady brings over two little kids, and we bought our own trading cards that year. Nice. We'd all put it in together, got our first trading cards, and so uh, it's my little boy over and little girl, and they're like, they've been your favorite all weekend. Congratulations on getting second, and I only have one trading card left, so I autographed the trading card. And I gave it to the little girl. And the little boy looked super bummed. And I'd seen Roger do this tie. So I pulled off my shoe, and I autographed my shoe, and I gave it to the kid. And as soon as I hear, I, I'm handing it to the kid, I hear like a sweet film going off behind me. And I turn around, and it's Steve Van Dorn. And Steve goes, I like what you got, Lee. Call me on Monday. We're putting you on salary. back again with the Venom Skate Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Madem. And today's episode is with one of the all-time most iconic legends of the modern downhill era, Lee Danzi. So my personal experience with Lee Danzi goes way back to probably 2008, when uh, in summer 2008, I went on my very first ever travel away from home downhill trip to uh, British Columbia for the Vernon Downhill uh, IGSA World Qualifier Series race, my first race, and the following weekend, uh, Giants Head Freeride number one. And I was there with uh, Louis Poloni, James Kelly, Brent Dubendorf, Dubes, and we were all kind of rolling around with Kevin Reimer. And in between the two events, we were skating Vancouver spots. And But as it tends to do on occasion in Vancouver, uh, we had a day of just uninterrupted downpour. So we all ended up in Kevin's parents' basement, pawing through this box that he had that was full of VHS tapes of pretty much all of the Gravity Games events, at least what's felt like all of them, uh, as well as some other ones that I don't know who made them, or I really don't know where Kevin got these tapes either, but there was like a really cool like half hour long Gary Hardwick tribute video that I don't know who put it together, but it was really well produced. Uh, and some other interesting stuff, like there was a, a bright yellow video cassette of uh, a movie called The Monkey, which features Daryl Freeman and some like really, really Genesis level, what looks kind of like modern free riding, but it was filmed like in the late 90s, early 2000s. If you can find it, anybody has a copy of The Monkey, digitize it. In fact, actually, I, I seriously doubt that Kevin listens to this podcast, but Kevin, if you are listening to this podcast and you still have those tapes, seriously try to get them digitized and, and make this stuff available to people because it was like, it was super cool for me, especially since I hadn't been around downhill that much at that point, to see like this whole class of super professional racing happening. And that was like for sure the day on which I fell in love with aero helmets because every, like all the coolest dudes in all of those races were in obviously the super iconic dot go fast, but also like Chapit had the landing ham and there were some others in there too, but it just seemed like part of the like, the costume of a really top-notch downhill racer like was a bitchin' aero helmet. So one of those aero helmets was worn by Lee Danzi, and in those videos he was mostly in his like most iconic paint scheme, which was the blue, white, and red uh, like Vans independent suit, and with the matching aero lid painted blue and with like white and red uh, logos on it. 
and he stood out because he was really tall and skinny, which he still is, and he rode totally differently from the other top riders who were pretty much the dregs team. And it just also seemed like he kind of stood out as an individual against the like five or six guys who all had the same gear and the same suits and all rode, all rode for dregs. So that was my early kind of exposure to Lee and I knew he was an important person even though I kind of had no idea why or, or where he came from or where he had gone. And I didn't really think about it too much until uh, like two years later, I was on uh, coast longboarding, which if you guys don't know what that is, I don't even know how you'd find out about it, but ask your elders. Uh, and there was a post about Lee Danzi selling his dot go fast helmet. And for those of you who don't know, it's kind of like I, my aero helmet collection, I think I have 21 aero helmets uh, representing 19 distinct shapes several different designers, but the Doc Go Fest is probably like the crown jewel of any Aerolid collector's, you know, coveted works. They, I think there were only 14 of them and they were pretty much, like I said, only owned by like the cream of the crop in the most covetous era of downhill history. So to have the opportunity to own one was obviously seriously tantalizing to me, especially since like, I kind of let one slip through my fingers a little bit earlier, like a year earlier. Justin Cludie was selling his. I think Eric Lundberg got it. Totally stoked that he ended up with it. He deserves to have that too, but like I wasn't going to get fooled a second time. So the problem was Coast Longboarding was kind of difficult to use. Like there are no usernames. Like you typed in your posting name, like when you were making the post, and there was no way to get in touch with somebody on there unless you had their contact info or if they left their contact info. There was no contact info in this post. It just was from Limo. Hey, you know, looking to sell my DocoFest helmet, anybody interested? So luckily at that point, I was well connected enough that I knew some old heads who I thought might have his contact. So I called Dave Rogers and Dave Rogers had his phone number and gave it to me and I like cold called Lee Danzi which in 2010 at like age 19 was like it I had to walk around the block a couple of times to get up the courage to do it and he answered and was super cool and you know we worked out a fair price and uh you know as you'll hear later on in the story that was probably at a time when like Lee's situation was not uh, on an upward trend in 2010. He was definitely having some trouble with painkillers and things were not going as swimmingly for him as he would have liked. And it, I could kind of tell he was in a hard spot because I had to Western Union him 1200 bucks for this helmet and like, I, I just trusted the downhill gods that it was gonna show up and it did. And not only did it show up, he sent a whole bunch of wicked memorabilia with it and I still have all of it. You know, he gave me a couple of extra visors and one of them he signed like Lee Danzi 1999 X Games Gold. Like that one's super awesome. When that helmet is displayed one day, that's what's gonna be on it for sure. And he sent like a Fiberflex catalog that had his pro model in it, uh, a poster from Skid Road and like a couple of just like glossies, like really nice photos of him riding, some really old independent stickers, like some just really, really clutch accompanying memorabilia for like uh, the class of Aerolid collection that I never thought I would have at the time. I think that was only the second one that I bought. So after that, I didn't see or hear from Lee for a long time. I wore that helmet only in three races. I wore it uh, at Maryhill in 2010, uh, where I won, I wore it at the Barrett Junction Outlaw the following January where I won, and I wore it in 
uh, Puerto Rico at the last kind of big Guajataca downhill, and I got second place there. So there's definitely like some, you know, there was some mojo in that helmet for me, and since then I've hung it up, and it's just an amazing piece of history. It doesn't have the iconic paint scheme on it anymore. It's kind of black with red and white. It was Lee's like next evolution of his sponsor setup or whatever, but it's still pretty freaking special and I never modified it. So it has all the original interior, the original chin strap. The only thing I did do is I put a tinted visor on it since he always wrote clear and uh, I just can't stand looking at my own face in photos if I can see it through a visor. So that's not working for me, but Anyway, flash forward several years, and I heard some kind of mumblings that Lee was going to show back up. I think, uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but Dennis, uh, whose last name I cannot pronounce, Dennis the Menace from the Seattle area, uh, dug him up. You know, I don't know where he was at the time, but somehow got him back on a skateboard and got him kind of back into the fold. And Lee came out to a mural free ride. That was the first place I saw him. And it was obviously super cool for me to finally meet this guy who I'd been so aware of for so long and, and had this, you know, amazing piece of his life had become an amazing piece of my life. <clears throat> and we took runs together, which was super cool. You know, I got to see him ride a super, super old school street luge, which was super cool. And, uh, you know, after that, I gave him some wheels and some bushings. And I think, you know, he kind of reached out to a bunch of different uh, companies and everybody hooked him up. We, I think Stryker did a fundraiser for him and got him a new suit. So he got another NJK suit with flames on it and stuff. And ever since then, I've seen him at pretty much every Maryville event I've been to. I think he's been to a couple of Danger Bays and he's just totally another member of the scene again. So it just goes to show anybody who, you know, if you've been a skateboarder before, you've never stopped being one. And if you step away from the community or the sport or you go through something tough in your life, it's always here for you. So if you find your way back, we're always happy to have you. And Lee, if you're listening, we're as happy as we've ever been to have you around us and carrying your spirit forward. And we can't wait to take more runs. So anyway, long, uh, long-winded intro, but this one kind of special to me. Not that the other ones aren't, but there was maybe more of a story this time. Anyway, enjoy. This is the Roger one. He didn't tear me up too bad. What were you expecting? Oh, me and Roger have got history. All right, I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah, I'm sure we will. All right, so I always like to start off the same way because uh, the origin story of people from your era is kind of important to me because I think everybody's was kind of so different. Mm -hmm. So give me like the basic rundown where you're from because you're originally from Britain. Mm -hmm. And when did you come here? When did you get your first skateboard? I see. I was born in England in 1967, moved here in, I think, 73. Been here ever since. Um, I think I got my first skateboard about 76. Wow. When I went to England, my grandma bought me one in the market, and it was a Fiberflex with Bennett Pros and Power Paws. Well, it's like an focus. absolutely top of the line setup. I wanted the Quicksilver because it was metal and it looked cool. <laughs> I was like kind of bummed I got the Fiberflex, but then after riding it, I was like pretty pumped on it. Okay. But so Quicksilver looked badass. And were you like hooked? Were you a skateboarder from then on? No, I first time I got the skateboard, you know, a seventy style skating and we're on those small boards with a, barely any kicktail and I was watching the guys go up banks and I was trying to do it and I couldn't do it and so it got put away for a while. Um you know, quite a few years I'd say. I was BMX racing from 
12 to 14, couple years, I was doing some BMX racing. It was okay. I got a couple of trophies here and there. Not, not great. Um, and then basically ended up uh, getting my bike stolen. Probably because it was bad karma because half the shit on it was stolen. <laughs> anyway, so. Where were you living? So I was living in Bellevue, Washington. So, and I rode my bike. Over at my buddy's house, we took off to do something for the day, and his brother rode it up to the store, and somebody stole it. So a buddy of mine told me he did 50 miles an hour on a skateboard, and I told him he was full of shit. And his name was Mike Smith, and uh, I thought, yeah, there's no way you go 50 miles an hour on a skateboard, dude. And so I went out and I watched him do it. He went down Double O Denny Park in Juanita, and he was, you know, 60 miles an hour, and I stood on the side of the road and just. It was, you know, no cars coming down. You can hear him screaming coming out of the corner of the bank. Just, it's coming at you, but it's like quiet but loud. I don't know how to explain that. You know, uh -huh. it's graceful, but and it just, as he went by, I was just like, yeah. And so he goes, you want to take a run with me? And he threw me on the back of his board, took me double, and what? I was hooked. Yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was a street loose. It was a sled, like my old boards, yeah. like in the Thrasher magazine, that type of board. And he took me on the back of it, he put me on the back, and we smoked the hill, and he's like, well, here's a regular skateboard, and I think at that time, my that original Fiberflex was beat to shit and slivered everywhere, like Fiberflexes do. And Have you still had it, though? Oh, no, no, that thing's gone years But you ago. had it at that time. I might, I, no, I, I think it went to shit, and I don't know what happened to it at that okay. point, because I didn't have a skateboard at that point. So he gave me a Henry Hester cutaway, graphite loaded, and with some Kryptonics and some Tracker 6 tracks on it. And we used to take T65 aluminum, and we cut out a handle and bend it up and drill holes so that we'd hold onto a handle on the front of the board, and we'd butt board downhill. So we'd use that to get around. I didn't have a bike. So I used that to get from A to B, and um, you know, so you, you know, the guys ride bikes, so you had to either haul ass. So you either stood up down the stuff you could stand up down, or you butt boarded down the stuff you couldn't. So and that's kind of where it all started for me. So and in the in the seventies, when you were riding in the seventies, did you were you aware of downhill? When I first started skating, no. When Mike put me on the back of his board, and I, saw, I think that was the one where Roger was on the cover of, uh, that, what was it, Skateboarder? I think he's mm -hmm. on the cover with his 70s half-cut shirt and his fairing on his board. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think that was the first one I saw, and then... Uh, I was looking in the mags for it because it was down. It was you know you get some feet of it you know, but it was like slalom and different stuff like that. And then like the vert was real big, you know what I mean? Like some of the older magazines had some stand up in it still. And every once in a while, you know, Hudson would show up on the top of Thrasher and stuff. And so I get the mags and I'd see all the guys in it: Coleman, fucking you know, the Woods Brothers. To Nike, all these guys, and you know, I was looking at these guys, and then they came up to Seattle in I think 1980 for College Hill, and it was it was a short little road, but it was cool to see these people in person that you've been seeing in the magazine. And John, like, that was the first time I met John, and he was like super cool to me. You know, the first time I met Cliffy too, and uh, Cliffy was super cool, really cool Cali guys and stuff, and. I was skating, but I didn't race that day because I wasn't like, I was just Nicky Novice at that point. 
And so my buddy had built, he had built 20 inch BMX bikes and he put sprockets and gears and shit on them. So they're like waiting our, like, yeah. like a 52 up front. So I'm like chasing them down the hill and he had a ghetto Brent sprocket on. So the chain flipped off and I natted myself on the bars and I'm doing this shit, trying to stay straight, dragging my foot, shoe comes off and tore up my foot. And it was a good day. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, it, you know, that's what got me hooked is just meeting those, you know, actually doing it, the rush at actually doing it is what got me hooked, but actually meeting those guys and seeing them in the magazine and having them there, it was, you know, it was kind of, you know, a cool thing, you know, it was seeing these guys in the magazine, they weren't real, you know what I mean? Right. And then when they're there in person, it was, you know, it was cool. And then they were super nice guys, you know, it was, it was cool times. And then I just started getting into it more and. You know, you got, got a new setup. I think I got a, I had a, a, a Hester or a Hudson at that time, a Santa Cruz Hudson. It was a little bit wider and bigger. Right, you said like that board was actually super small. Oh, the, origi the original one, yeah. It was bigger than your Fiberflex, but it was not yeah, but the, a big wide board. <laughs> this, yeah, the, 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 I'm talking about the later, like the late 80s, mid to late 80s um, Santa Cruz. The white okay. ones that had the lines on it, and Santa Cruz was sideways, because yeah. he was pretty fat, and it was a little, it was like one of his old boards just beefed up. It's like, maybe like eight or nine years ago, we did a, like an old, like a 70s spec race at uh, Sonoma Raceway. Mm. It's a really short track, like 43 seconds or something, but... Yeah. Uh, it was cool because Kyle Lester rode for Santa Cruz at the time, uh -huh. and they cut out like an original Hudson shape, nice. and it was tiny. I mean, it was oh, yeah. probably like a '78 spec Hudson. Oh yeah, they, we used to buy. That's what I. That's what I grew up on riding on before I built sleds right. and started doing the street loose and getting street loose stuff. I bombed uh, Henry Hester Santa Cruz graphite loaded flawless. Right. And we used to just bomb on that shit. We'd do stand-up on it. We'd do really right. And it's, Hudson's down board was flexy. I mean, it was yeah. just a fire flex board from that, or a Santa Cruz board yeah. from that era. Same yeah. deal. Same thing. It's, it was a lot. It was, it was, they were beefier, you know what I mean? So it was a lot more underneath your feet instead of like, shit, what were those, six inches wide? Right. John's was like, I think, nine or something. And then I had to bust it up. I made mine 10 to make it bigger. But still, was yeah. six tracks. Six, six tracks? Six yeah. tracks. Six tracks. Okay. What, uh, what wheels were you riding? Back then, it was Crypto C70s. They were like the new thing on the market, mm -hmm. like 78, 80, I think they came out. Green. No, the, the orange, okay. the, the orange cryptos, it said crypto, and then the USA, or they used to say C70 on it. And then yeah, I've got a set of C70s on yeah. an old term. But not the pre-C70s, the square lip ones. I'm talking about the rounded lip ones. Ooh, you know? I see. Yeah, those were the okay. first ones that came out, because we were... Like a roller skate wheel. It kind of, Like yeah. flat back, one side. Yeah, well, and the outside, outside's rounded a little bit, you know. So it, it looks basically like the white ones that they had in you know, the late 90s, yeah. So from there, like downhill, as far as I have gleaned from talking to folks about this, downhill kind of ended in 81, 82 in terms of I think Capitola might have been the last big race in 82. I think it was Capitola. So where did oh. your journey go after that? Well, I was just getting into it at that point and everything fucking fizzled out. Right. And then, then, then Vert was still pretty good. At, Vert was popping off and Street hadn't come up yet. So Vert was popping off and I'd go down to trade shows to try to get sponsors and shit. Trade shows were a hell different situation. But I'd go down and try to get sponsors at trade shows and try to build up and you know get the sport going. So. 82, I go down to Portland for Tabor, 
And we show up down there. Uh, so there was a race on Mount Tabor in 1982? Yeah, 1982. Oh, okay. Tabor. And I show up down there ready to race. So finally, like, I'm going to fucking kick Hudson's ass. <laughs> you know, we're all, I'm 16 years old, and I'm going to just go smoke this old this World old champ's man. coming, yeah, but. Yeah, yeah, we're going to smoke him, dude. He's, no. he's 28. He's washed up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm 16. I got this. And my buddy, we're just like, we go down there. So we get on a train. We take a train from Seattle to Portland, get down there, show up at the hill a day early. Right? We practice hill a couple times, and we're like, yeah, we got this, we got this. And then we get to the top of the hill, like the end of the first day or something, and we see a sign. And it's the picture of the race, you know, and it says canceled across the race, dude. And so basically, they'd booked the hill for three events. So they booked it for a soapbox derby event, which was out of the way, so it wasn't going to bother our situation. But it, they booked it for a running race or some muscle event or some shit. So we got ejected. So I spent all this money going out. I was pissed, dude. We were super pissed. So I came back up. And then, uh, and then, I, and then I basically, there wasn't really any races going. Because like you said, it shut down. You know, it wasn't going on. So basically, we went at it at the aspect that I was, uh, I was working. And I ran into this the guy. They were shooting a TV show called Evening Magazine here in Seattle, and I see the guy, and they're done shooting, I go up and I said, hey man, I go 70, 80 miles an hour on a skateboard, man, I wanna do a world record, are you guys interested? And he says, sure. So I filmed the TV show, and I broke the world record, it was, I think Roger had it at the time, or no, yeah, Roger had it, or somebody had it, it was Roger, 71 miles an hour. I think Roger only went like 55, I think he went no, 70. This is, this is street luge. Oh, okay, right, yeah, I think street luge now. Roger, I, don't quote me on this, and somebody will send me an email and correct me, but I want to say Roger's street luge record was like 73. Yeah, it was 73, that's where he gets into it. So there, somebody else might have had it at 71. So I go out and I break the record, and I do it on radar, and I do 73. Okay, right? okay, there's the numbers. And so I did it on the radar, and what I beat hill? the record, right? It was in Seattle, it's called Fire Trail Hill. Okay. It's outside Marisville. So I beat the world record, right? And so they send it into the Guinness, and the TV show and Guinness are going back and forth because they did it on radar, not a timing system, right? So Roger fucking hears about me doing the world record, and he goes out and does the world record, does 73.37 or something miles, he point something, something miles an hour faster And he did it with a speed trap, proper documentation. And yeah, and so he got the world record. Okay. So basically, that TV show started that. So that TV show sold nationally and went or shopped around nationally, so it played around the United States. So I started getting input from people. Like, I got contacted by Bob Prayer in California. And Bob got a hold of me, and he calls for, me. For the listeners who don't know, who's Bob Prayer? Bob Prayer is an old luge guy, the godfather of street luge is what they call him, I guess. I don't Why know. do they call him that? Somebody nicknamed him with it, and it's you know he, he Bob came on later in the line. I mean, if you want to talk Godfather, I mean Roger would probably be more Godfather because he was doing it before Bob. You know, if you want to get down to the real business. Okay, but. Um, so, so the shop and the show around actually. So the, Bob calls me up and he says, uh, "We're Max Racing. We're three guys that do street leaders. And I'm like, "You guys do three? You know, it's a single guy sport, dude. What do you mean you're a team? You guys hold hands? You go down the hill and shit." He's like, "Oh, you come down to see." So I go down there and I got a, a sled that's like four feet long. They're on full-on rails. Uh, they've all got leathers, full-face helmets. Are you running the one like uh, a creeper? It looks like a creeper. I, right. I've seen this the picture. Before I ever rode downhill, uh-huh. I saw that picture. Before I rode soft wheels of any kind, I saw that picture in the Concrete Wave. There's like a Concrete Wave skateboarding photo book. Okay. And it's that picture. If you're on that board, what I think is that board, you're in a flyaway, 
and you're like your head's like laid over side. Yeah, that's the one in Thrasher in the centerfold yeah. Thrasher. Yes. So that's the same that photo is fantastic. So yeah, so I, that, I showed up. That that was like the second time I met Bob. We did that photo shoot with Thrasher. Okay. So there, if you look in the video, the pictures in there, they've all got leathers on, right? I got my Levi's on with my socks tucked in, with a flyaway right, right. and Ray-Bans on. Yes, this is the photo. So yeah, and so I go down there and I start hanging out with Bob and. We kicked it off pretty good, man. You know, him and his brother, Greg Road, and another guy named um, Ken Kenny. Which they so how did your riding compare to them? So they take me to Mulholland the first run. Oh, my God. <laughs> and my board, that type of board I was riding doesn't lean well. It, it bottoms out. It's made for, like, more drifty open corners. And so, like, they took me to Mulholland, and I just, I'd never ridden a road. Like, it's too tight of corners for that board. And so, I was like, I did real shitty. And they're just like, oh, this guy coming down from Seattle. He ain't no shit. Yeah. So, they take me over to um, a, a canyon over in Malibu called Ensnow Canyon. Yeah, much straighter. Oh, that canyon's a blast. I love that. You, you, you gone down that oh, canyon? Oh, yeah. Stand up? Yep. I've done a stand-up, too, on a lowered water ski that was jake-eared and shit. <laughs> with oh. a, a van shoe on my head so I could reach down and put a brick. <laughs> That sounds terrible. <laughs> I rode Mulholland on the same thing. Oh, God. So I go out there and I ride with these guys. They take me out to Ensignal and I just open up on them. And they had a hard time running me. So, and then I just, I came back up Seattle. Bob ended up hooking me up with a place called Thunderwear Leathers. I got my first leather suit. It was a two-piece. Got a BFA full-face helmet, and um, this is all street luge because stand-up hadn't come back in yet. We were, like, back when everything fell off the map, like, street luge kind of brought everything back because, like, everything went in the shame, and then when street luge came, got bigger, like, like I said, we were doing television shows. That was what our gig was, you right, know. street luge was a new extreme sport at that time. Yeah, but it wasn't in the X Games. X Games hadn't come out yet, so we were, like, we were doing, I mean, I was doing, I did MTV Sports. I did Thrill Masters, Stunt Masters. I mean, I did TV shows with Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese. You know, we were doing all sorts of TV shows. And then I could go to my sponsors and say, look, I'm getting you half-hour TV coverage at 8 o'clock on primetime at night. Give me some money, you know. I, I, that's how we got paid. We didn't skate. He didn't pay to skate. I mean, a lot of the guys did, but a few of us knew how to work it and work it right. You know what I mean? It's like everybody just plasters, you know, sponsors' names on their leathers. Why do they got to pay riders to ride for them? I mean, even some of the guys didn't get that much swag. I mean, you know, it's like when I'm riding for vans, I was getting cut $1,500 a month checks. You know, I started off at $100 a month, $100 month checks. Next year, I went up to 250 And after like seven, eight years, I'm up, you know, they give me raises every year. You know, everybody that was on my leathers was paying me money. So that's how we were well, using maybe that. maybe if the guys who rode for me could get me on half-hour TV specials at <laughs> primetime, maybe we talk about you it. You want that? Well, hey, Zach, maybe we need to talk, dude. All I need is about six sets of wheels a year. I don't ride very much anymore. <laughs> right, you want some primetime shit? Lee Danzy's new team manager. We're on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so that's what we did. Is like you use that for leverage against the sponsors. So like you can't just go up and say, here, I skateboard and I'm good and I, I'm good at races. Can you give me some product? I mean, what does that do for you, Zach? What if I just say, well, give me some wheels, I'm racing, you know? I mean, what, what's the benefit for you? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I got to give you some sort of benefit on you giving me price. So if you're giving me $100 worth of product, 
I've got to be giving you at least five hundred to a thousand dollars worth of product back to you. I mean, that'd be a great sales. return. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, when I'm on national television, I'm sitting starting game, and I got vans down my shins, and kids are seeing that, and they're like, you know, I I, I took off from skating for a long time. I went down a bad path, and when I came back from skate uh, that bad path and came back to skating, I got all these kids coming to me and like, we looked up to you, you know, like as we were skating, you know. I think Patrick. Switzer saw me at the X Games, you know, and was like, you know, stoked on it. So it's like really weird to have all these guys come up to you and, you know, say that, you know, you were the first guy that, you know, got it going. So I can't remember where I was going with that. I got off track for a second. So 80s, uh, went down to California, rode with those guys. Yeah. So yeah, it was going down riding with those guys. We we're doing TV shows. So there wasn't any races going on. I think Roger was throwing some here and there. But that, it wasn't like, I, I don't really, I mean, as soon as like Bob got, we and Bob got together and started, started rail. Bob started rail. I was there helping him with the races and stuff like that. My girlfriend would, would run the events with his girlfriend. They would, you know, do all so the So was that a, like an event organized? Yeah, rail, rail. It was, uh, what was it? What is that for? What was the acronym for? Uh, road racing or road. Road Racing International Luge, something. Road, I can't remember, International Luge. <laughs> but, uh, so, hold on, Zach, where were we at again? Uh, no races going on, rail. Oh, started. yeah, so we started rail, we get these races going, and we started throwing some races. So we started throwing races at Laguna Seca. Oh. So we threw the first couple races, I think, at Laguna Seca. Then we'd race up at Castaic Lake. And they had a couple, a couple hills that we'd throw races on. And so Bob would start putting together races. And then we'd start adding to it. And then we started going out to, like, West Virginia and the East Coast because Michael Shannon was out there. And Michael was kind of helping with Bob and stuff. So we all came together as a group of skaters to help the association grow. And Roger was throwing some races at the time. And Roger actually had the X Games first. And... There was a little bit of controversy that went down there. I've heard some different things because I've been in with the ESPN people and stuff like that, and I've heard Roger's stories, and I don't want to talk shit, but there was some stuff that happened. Roger pulled out. I think they ended up trying to sue Roger or some shit, went down. And so Bob ended up getting the gig. So, and then when Bob got the gig, that was when everything took off on Street Luge. So we really weren't doing too much stand-up that time. We're still messing around. I mean, I've been dabbling, but I hadn't done it for years. It was all about the street luge because that's where we're on TV, getting paid, and you know, I was getting, you know, first very first X Games I was at, I was a advanced product team rider, so I was getting flow. And after the event, I got a silver medal. I'm sitting on the hay bales at the bottom, and I uh, this lady brings over two little kids. And we'd bought our own trading cards that year. Nice. We'd all put it in together and got our first trading cards. And so uh, she brought a little boy over and a little girl, and they're like, they've been your favorite all weekend. Congratulations on getting second. And I only had one trading card left. So I autographed the trading card, and I gave it to the little girl. And the little boy looked super bummed. And I'd seen Roger do this time. So I pulled off my shoe, and I autographed my shoe, and I gave it to the kid. And as soon as I hear I, I'm handing it to the kid, I hear like a sweet film going off behind me. And I turn around and it's Steve Van Dorn. And Steve goes, I like what you got, Lee. Call me on Monday, we're putting you on salary. Wow. And that's how I got on salary. Yeah. So, that's so cool. Roger, thank you, fucker. <laughs> well, you know what? That's something that no one can ever take away from Roger Hickey. 
the man is a showman and a charmer. And he I wouldn't say he's a charmer. He's uh, kind of uh, a dick. Uh, no, I'm yeah, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> of the uninitiated. No, Roger, I, after listening to your podcast with Roger, I got a little bit more insight on him, and I got a little bit more respect. It, it, it took many, many years for me to get respect for Roger, and I think it's. I think he got a bit of respect for me, and I think that we both had respect for each other, that we're on a different playing ground with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think we got older. You know, I mean, I think I was also a little jealous because of the shit he had, and I'd go down there, and he had those big fucking coffee can wheels, and you know, full on, you know, fairing boards and shit. And I'm down here with my stuff that I drilled out, and it's all. Nah. Oh yeah, like he's always you know? had the budget for the best toys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you know, he's he's got the money for it, you know, and and so I got a good story. The first time I got to go against Roger, I'm down at Bob's house, I'm flying. Or, Flying down, taking trains down, driving down. Cause I just kept coming. I was hooked once I got on those canyons. Cause up in Seattle, we're running like mile long roads, quarter mile, half mile roads and shit. And I'm on eight miles, I'm no boom, and my my abs <laughs> were just torched, bro. I had rocket abs back in the day. And then that's when I started designing the boards and putting booms on and and combining my sled with rails. And that's how they came up with what's the modern board that they're using today. But with Roger, I'm down at Bob's house one night and he's got Roger's number. And so I call Roger and I'm like, hey fucker, I'm down here, let's race. I'll smoke you, you're a punk. And fucking leave it on his answer machine. I hang up, thinking of the bong hit, hanging out with Bob. And all of a sudden, ring, ring, ring. Put Dandy on the phone. Roger's like, okay, you want this? Let's go tomorrow. Templin Highway will be there. I'm like, oh, let's do it, bud. Let's do it. Like, it was not prepared at all. Just had my sled, right? Like, no leathers. I might have had leathers at this point. I think I had leathers and a full face at this point, maybe. But uh, he shows up with Genesis, and Genesis has got the five-inch wheels on it. And I look over, and him and Boume are lifting it off the back of the truck. And I'm like, why is he taking two people to lift that son of a bitch? He'd taken three 20-pound lead diving weights and strapped them to the center in perfect <laughs> gravity of the board, dude. And so we raced, and I smoked him down to the bottom. And right at the bottom, he just would smoke by me, you know, just, I mean, 15 miles an hour faster easily because of the weight, the aerodynamics, mm-hmm. and he's not a very small guy. Right, so he couldn't get that thing moving, but <laughs> no, with gravity. Oh, yeah, once it, once it kicked in, plus those big wheels, and he took me to the shitty side of Templin. We went to the shitty side of Templin, not the good side. Like, the other, the right side's better. If you're coming out of L.A., the right side's better than the left side. Okay. And so we were on the left side, and uh, he smoked me, so I'm like, okay, fuck you, dude. I'm going to do a stand-up thinking I could, you know, push out, get out far enough out in front of him. Same thing at the bottom. He came by me again. And that day, I was like, yeah, put my foot in my mouth, you know, he smoked me, you know. But this is the way Roger was, you know. He was, I, I, but truthful with me, dude, I didn't practice. I didn't sit there and play with my shit. I slapped, dude, I left shit on my board. I went from one race to another race with the same shit. I won the gold medal at X Games. On the same equipment, I won the gold medal at the Gravity game six months later on. Wow. So I never I didn't mess with my shit. You know, I, I just ran what I had and ran it, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so there's the Roger story. He came out and freaking he smoked me. It sucks. But I had, to eat some pie. I had to eat some pie that day. But, you know, and then there's other things like a Benelli. When he throws Benelli race, he threw a night race at Benelli. And this had, had his 273 wins or 243 wins or whatever. And it's me and him in the final, and we're battling on the way down. And I'm trying to stay away from him because I want to pass him. And he's on me, and he's kicking on me. He's like, dude, you're all over me, kicking me, kicking me. He's all over me, dude. And I beat him. 
And he's like, oh, dude, that's bullshit. You, you didn't beat me. You're all over me. And you see what I mean? So I'm walking back by the finish line, and I hear uh, John Stryker. He's right by Dwight in the microphone, and he goes, you finally beat his 273 winning streak. And Roger walked by and just looked over the shoulder. He was not happy. <laughs> but, you know, it's just the way it is, you know. It's sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some, yeah, you know. Man. But, yeah, he's, you know, we, we've got history. I've gone back and forth with him over the years. But, I, like I said, nowadays, I've got a lot of respect for him, you know. And after listening to your podcast, he's, you know, I understand where he's coming from. Because sight game is part of the sport, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Sometimes, was it 99 Gravity Games standing at the top of the hill? I have my Walkman on, Discman with the headphones on, and I'm listening to Dio. And I'm nice. just. Ah, yeah, I got the headphones on and just screaming, just walking back and forth, pacing, and people were just tripping out on me. And I was just trying to get in the zone, you know? But yeah, Roger, Roger had a good sight game. So. So at that time. Like when the when Street Luge like made the jump to the X Games, how many Luge riders were coming to a race? Dude, at that point, dude, there was probably four or five hundred Street Lugers worldwide. That sounds like a lot. It was back then. It was a lot. And like, so 32, you... 32 qualified. You had to qualify to go there. Right. X-Games. So how did you communicate? Like how did you advertise this? How did Street losers find out about a race. Was there like a we'd be phone on TV. I, I think there was that. Uh, it might have been internet at the time, like ALO that. <laughs> right, like dial-up internet, yeah, in like yeah. 1993. So, yeah, that was kind of around. That was kind of but around. But like, was there a forum? Was there just like an email chain that everybody was we on? We just, you just. Uh, that's a good question, Zach. I gotta try to remember. I it's have, foreign to us. Like we've grown up only in the age of knowing what everything was happening. Like for me to have started out finding out about events on NCDSA is still like a question. You kind of know, you just kind of got to know people and know you, uh, you had made phone calls and shit. You know, like I said, Bob found me right up in Seattle because I was doing TV shows. So, like, we saw somebody, like, Bob sees somebody on a commercial doing a commercial or something. Who the fuck's that? We try to figure out who it was, you know? So, you know, I, I don't really remember. I, I just, we just knew a group of people, you know, the people, and it just started growing. Oh, I know somebody, and then phone numbers get given out, and it was phone back then. I mean, we remembered everybody. I mean, I used to remember like 15 fucking phone numbers. Right. What is it? You know, like in seven, you know, no, you got to have the prefix, 10, you know, 10 numbers, so. Probably no area codes back then. There was still, it was 425 and 206 where it was. Well, then I had LA, so I had 818, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't so know how I can remember because I've, I've had the same conversation with a few people, where, and they kind of have the same answer. They're like, I don't know. I don't we know, just, you, know just like, you just knew. You knew people. You got to know somebody, and then it's like. They all showed up. <laughs> yeah, well, then once more people got going, and it's like, oh, my buddy does that. Oh, my buddy's faster than you are, you know. I mean, that's how I met Curtis. Right, so, like, somebody would call you and tell you about a race, and you'd call two friends, and they call yeah, two friends. But exactly, dude. This exactly. That commercial was canceled. <laughs> when when no it came race. down to racing, though, we we would send out. We had flyers and shit. You know, but we were pretty. You know, if it was a race going to North Carolina, you know, it, you knew it was. You know, it was a done deal. The rail thing. I think rail had a website. Rail did have a website. I think, and we would post up on there. Did you ever race the the new Mount Tabor race? Like the Billy Bones and then... Yeah, I went down there. I've, I've been down there, I think, twice. I went, yeah, I've been down there twice and got freight trained by fat guys because I was light and stuff. <laughs> but still, it's pretty cool. Like, I don't know very many other people who, like, race the same hill 
38 years apart. <laughs> you know, because if you were yeah, racing there in I didn't think about it. I never thought about that. And then again in like 2016, like that's... That 2016, 2017, yeah. I don't, think, I don't know if anybody else has that. I don't know. I don't know anybody else who's got medals in three different sports in the X Games either. I was one of the first person to have winner X and so um, and winner. What was your winner? Summer X, super modified shovel racing. <laughs> All right, so uh, I've I've seen this, but tell the the listeners what a super modified shovel race. All right, is. Well, there's all different kinds of ones, but the one I was in was like experimental and really messed up. And if I would have like crashed that thing, I would not be here right now. It would have decapitated me. <laughs> So basically a super modified shovel is, so they race down hills on shovels, they put them between their legs, mm -hmm. no shovels, and they go down a hill. Yeah. So a super modified shovel is anything on skis that you take and chop the super, just handle off the shovel, and you put it on a hinge on the bottom of it, so it's touching the snow when it leaves, so and touching at the bottom. Yeah, so the shovel's just on there, so you can call it a shovel, uh, wow. right? Is Rob McHenry all about this? Uh, He's got it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So you shouldn't tell him. They had the, the, this guy. So my buddy meets this guy in a bar and said he's going to the X Games. He's got four of these things going. And my buddy's like, well, my buddy Lee's got X Games medals and blah, blah, blah. And so I meet this guy like a week before going and takes me over to his place. So back in the day, they had a Coors commercial with that thing. It was called the Silver Bullet, and it was on skis, and they show it going down the snow. Okay. It was like a pod, triangle pod, and it was on skis, and you sat in it with a steering wheel in the seat. So that was one of the actual things that this guy had, and they had a couple cockpits out of um, hydroplanes. And so they had all that, and then he had spent like 20 grand on this, it looked like a salt, uh, the one they run out in the salt yeah. flats, like a rocket. I mean, insane looking thing, dude. And it, it, it had the fastest time on the beginning. So there was 24 sleds that show up and only 12 qualify. And so the thing I was in hadn't even been tested before. So he take a, took a pack of sport rooftop carrier that you put your skis mm -hmm. in. He took it apart, opened it up and drilled holes in it and built a square tubing frame in it around in it and then uh, it put snowmobile runner things on it, it mounted the skis and then I laid down flat in it, he cut a little hole in it and then my head went out, it looked like an old hot rod with a roll bar goes mm -hmm. over your head, old dragster and I wedged inside this thing, they actually opened it up and I climbed inside of it then they put it back down and put my head through the hole and I held onto a little T-bar and went zero to 73 miles an hour in 14 seconds and stopped in less than 50 feet. And the stopping felt like my skin was coming off my skull. How did it stop? Like what was the brakes? Uh, okay, so behind my neck had a, air, a little thing. It, had, it wasn't oxygen in it, it was some other gas. And it was behind my neck and on the back of the thing it had a hinge with a rake on it. Oh. And so it would go into the snow. Oh, so just like pneumatic. Yeah, it was pneumatic. So I just had to reach over and hit this toggle switch. So wow. I'm lucky that I snowboarded and skied for years, so I understand a fall line, I understand a catching an edge. And so the fall line would fall away. And so instead of steering into the hill and catching an edge and flipping the thing like a lot of people were doing, or stare away from the hill, I would stare into the hill, but the wall was right there. So when they race these things, they race them in New Mexico once a year, and the track is 75 feet wide, and they race them one at a time. X Games narrowed it down to 50 feet wide, and then drag raced this and then flipped them over. So people were hitting the walls that were like four or five feet high and launching out and flipping these things. Like Jack Aroot and Paul Page, as they watch open wheel indie racing mm -hmm. and they said this stuff is 
way gnarlier. <laughs> I mean, they said they haven't seen rolls like that, you know, and they've seen some pretty gnarly stuff. Those guys are pretty heavy, you know. But you can go on. You go I'll on have the, to look you, it up. Go on the YouTube thing. That's you can the, see me so giving the, Jack Root or Paul Are Page you still the, the only athlete with summer and winter medal? No, okay. no, no, you, no. You I was the first, the first one to get summer and winter, but I'm one of two that have three medals wow. in three different sports. Ah, okay. So Sean Palmer, I believe, is the only one that has them in three different sports. So Sean, I believe, has it in skiing, downhill mountain biking, and snowboarding. Wow. And he might have golds across the board in there because he's Sean fucking Palmer. Right. But I've got yeah, silver. has got a bronze for snow skate. In where? <laughs> in a snow skate event. In a snow skate event. X Games. X Games? Yeah, 2009. Dude, you got an X Games medal roll up? No, it's not a real medal. It's like a fake medal. It's a fake medal? They jacked ah, you off? Don't do that. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. What's <laughs> the screen? Oh, Tell them what's going on. Smelly bastard out here in the grass. Well, this is going well. That's Rob McHenry. Yeah. So, hey, McHenry, you're fucking up my interview, bro. <laughs> so, when did stand up come in so, the picture? Okay, so we're doing Street Luge, um, you know, through the 90s. I was dabbling on the stand up. And then Roger was uh, and Perry were throwing the races at Benelli. Because they kind of wrote stand-up the whole time. They wrote both. Yeah, yeah. We were writing both, but we weren't racing both. Our association was only racing street leagues because okay. Bob didn't know how to do stand-up. So, but, you know, Roger knows. I didn't know they were doing Benelli's at that point. And then I found out they were doing Benelli's. And then I'm like, they're doing stand-up? Okay, let me put together a stand-up board. And so I took a piece of aluminum and I cut out the shape of the Hester or Hudson and I put some uh, 90 degree aluminum on it to extend the back because the wheelbase was too short. And I was riding that for a while. And then uh, it was going down the Benelli things and then started doing stand-up again. And then I ran into uh, Mallard because back when I was doing Street Luge, I had a teammate, it was Sean Goulart, and he ended up committing suicide, which I don't know why in our sport we lose a lot of people to that. But it pretty much sucks because yeah. I've lost a lot of my friends to it. But um, so I, I, after I lost Sean, I go down to California, I'm going Benelli's, and I meet Sean Mallard. And I started hooking up with him and vibe with him real well and became teammates. And Sean was working at a wood shop, so he's like, I've Teamm got a mold. <laughs> teammates for what? What was your team? Well, we were just like, we were like, we were just like, he shared his sponsors with me and I shared my sponsors yeah. with him. And we were just like, you know, watch out for each other's back, you know. And, you know, he gave me, he got me on with Jugular and a couple of good ones. I got him on bands and stuff. And so, you know, like uh, when we did the toys and stuff, as you see on the toys, the back, Sean's on. You know, we're all three a team on there. Okay, so, cool. You know, really we were cool. just yeah, kind of like that. And so Sean was pressing boards because his dad was running one of the biggest wood shops down in California at the time. And uh, and so he was pressing out boards. And so I just, I paid him to make my, my shape. And he uh, knocked me off some boards. And then I started getting back into stand-up and, you know. I actually think I actually might have beat John at one time out at Benelli. That's and was that Straight Hill Benelli or were you guys doing the race? That was Straight Hill. Straight Hill Benelli. That was Straight Hill Benelli. But, yeah, no, that, so then we just started getting back into stand-up, you know. It was, it was, you know, cool because I was always, had, you know, Street Luge is fun and 
stand-up's just a whole different ball of wax, you know what I mean? And also, when we were doing street luge back then, it was a lot gnarlier, it seemed like, than what they got going on these days. I mean, we were like, when we were running GMR, like in packs of eight or 10, and you're diving white to white on some of those corners, dude, and you're committed, dude, you're fully fucking, if there's a car, you're done. Right. You know, and, and you're trapped on the, on the inside because this cocksucker's in here too, you know? And so, you know, it can, it can get ugly. You gotta trust that if you see that car, you're going, that guy on the right side's going too, because if he ain't going, you're both getting stuffed. Yeah. And that's if the car doesn't decide to go either, because the car will see you guys and decide to go too, and then you're screwed. But, you know, I, I don't know, it just seemed like we were getting pretty heavy on the loose for a while, but with the stand-up, when it came back, it was, it's, they're just a whole, they're two different animals. I don't know, but it was just good to be back doing stand-up again after uh, probably a 10-year hiatus. Right, and you're probably one of the only ones, you know, of the, I guess what I would consider the 90s, early 2000s era top racers who rode in the 70s. Like who? Who? I didn't race in seventy. I I raced a bit in the eighties. Right, but the fact that you were, you know, you were going to go race John Hudson in his prime at Mount Tabor, you know, in nineteen eighty-two. I don't think like the nobody on the drugs team was there. Oh no, the biker wasn't around then. No, biker came in in like ninety-six X Games, right? And and first time I met biker. In 96, you want to swift over into the, uh, you a little bit of biker episode now, sure. is it? Well, and this is the thing, too, about, like, the biker, I, obviously, it's a real shame that I'm never going to get to do an episode with him, but I want, oh, oh, I want oh, everybody oh. to know about him and yeah. oh, who, no, who I, he literally. was and what he did. So, first, a uh, couple times in biker, I think I met him at Benelli just before we go to the X Games one year, and I go down there and meet him. We clicked really well for about a year or two, year or two, until... It started getting to the point where he was, he bought EDI, I think it was, and mm-hmm. then he was starting to manipulate the races a little bit, you know, certain ways. Give, uh, give me an example, because I know about this stuff, but not everybody knows. Okay, uh, an example. Okay, so he's running the Gravity Games, 99 Gravity Games, I win the gold medal in stand up. Street Luge, I don't think I medal, I crashed, some shit went down. Yeah, I crashed, I got hit by Kurt and those guys that speared me. And so I crashed out. So it comes to Mary Hill to qualify to go to Gravity Games. I'm already in because I'm a gold medalist. So I got to qualify for Street Luge. I got really sick before I went to the, I couldn't go. I didn't go to the race. So I was supposed to bring him. So I, he was pissed. I didn't show up. So NBC call, uh, he, calls it, he calls me and says that you're in for stand-up, but you're not in for Street Luge. And I'm like, okay, so I call NBC and I'm like, yeah, I missed the qualifier, I got sick, you know, I couldn't make it. And they're like, oh, dude, no, you're like one top, you know, you're one of the top, you know, people in right, the thing. Yeah. You out. yeah, I know, you're not, you know, yeah. That's not for their ratings. So they call Biker back. And he was, he, Grace wouldn't even call me, she had him to call me. And he was heated because they, they made him put me back in the race. And so, uh, that's how I was talking about him manipulating. Right, because I've heard lots so, of stories about stuff like yeah. Biker knowing that somebody could draft him by the finish line, so he just moved the finish line up the hill. Yeah, the, those things weren't, I don't think, he, he manipulated some tracks here and there, but that wasn't more of the thing, more of trying to, there was some shady stuff, I think, on heats 
sometimes they take things up and then you come back the next day and then you get your brackets, you know, and stuff. I mean, it just seems really strange in how many years I was racing in the association that I was up against Todd Lair. I mean, it was ridiculous on how many times I raced Todd. Right, I heard this from other people too. They're like, I raced the same person every time I was in. Well, <laughs> you know, regardless of qualifying. Look at my gravity games when I win the gold medal. I go through the whole damn drugs team, right? Basically, you know, and and stuff. And so, but racing Todd was gnarly because he was so low. He's hard to draft. So mm -hmm. you, I had to adapt my tuck when I was racing him I'd stay in my high tuck and then when I got to have to draft him I'd drop down and burn leg you know because it's a burner when you got to drop low and you get around him but he's, he was tough but I raced Todd a lot listeners for those of you who are unfamiliar Todd Lair was a rider a Drake. drags team rider and he rode a parallel stance like his feet right next to each other just on his knees basically yeah <laughs> very you know vintage throwback but he really made it work super fast so when stand-up comes back, uh, were you going to EDI races? Like, were you at the... Yeah, I was doing EDI races. And so, so that's when I meet Biker, right, as at the EDI races. And we clicked it off good and stuff. And so we're starting to do the stand-up races. And now Biker's taking over EDI, and we're stand-up's getting a lot more publicity and stuff. And and so it, there's a lot more people coming. I think we start out. It might have been we might have been able to get a 32 field, you know. And then it started getting a lot more people, and then you started qualifying for it. But um, when uh, so when I met Biker down there, and he was uh, we were getting along, and then after we had that incident at Mary Hill, and then I didn't show up, and he. I had to call me and tell me that I was in. It got beefing bad. So we go to the Gravity Games. I'm at the Gravity Games. We're racing, and it was just bad blood, stares at each other, trying to get in the truck. So I'm walking to get in the truck, and I hear it. And I turned around. It was him. And I said, you spit on me, fucker. And he goes, no, but what if I did? And I look over his shoulder, and I see like six or seven kids about six to ten years old. And I'm just like, don't do it, dude. Don't do it. So I chilled out, got in the truck. Still bad blood all weekend. Come to Seattle downhill, bad blood. Uh, I, got, I got to race him. And he qualified really shitty. And I had to race him in the two-man. And he really wasn't running fast times. And I think he just had enough hatred towards me at that point. He was just charging into the corner. And he beat me. You know, and I give him that. He did beat me at that race. So I get across the line, I pop my visor, my visor comes off, and I, it's on the ground. I turn around to go get it, and he's standing on it. And I say, uh, can you get off my visor, dude? And he's like, no. I just dropped my board, and I got up underneath him, and I shoved him. And I lifted him off the ground, and he went straight on his ass. And I stood over him, and I said, get up, punk. I said, you know, if I can, I just put hands on you, you can fucking hit me. And the whole dregs crew came over, and then a bunch of people came in and split it up. But I, I laid hands on him. I, I lost my shit. I was like, you know. And so it got really, really bad for a while. And, uh, you know, it, about seven years ago, I got a call uh, from my local skate shop. He reached out to them and wanted to get together and have some lunch with me and talk out some shit. And I really, really wish that could happen, you know, because, like I said, I don't really want to speak ill of him because he was a friend of mine. And it was just in the position that he was in 
running an association, I think. Oh, I think there was a it lot was of the money. It's the money, and he's got the sponsor. I mean, basically, me and him were the only two getting paid big bucks back right. then. Well, and you were I mean, kind of the top, pretty top two, you know, in terms yeah, of Yeah, but results. we also had the big sponsors that were paying us cash. Right. You know, every month. We you were, had, he you was both getting, really had someone to answer yeah, to. Yeah, I had Vans. He had Sobe. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so when he had Sobe, then he's running. So now he's got to produce for Sobe. It's his time, so he's trying to pad that and protect that and so I think that's why he was manipulating a few things that way you know but I really wish we could have talked it out before he'd taken his own life you know but you know I got a chance to you know hang out with the guy and travel around the world and be greasy with him for a while before it went all south <laughs> so Back to the stand-up, what were you saying? So what happened in the race with him, I think it's a Gravity Games race, and it's like a dregs video. It's still up on YouTube. And uh, I think it's a two-man race. And it, I When he shoved me from yes. behind. Okay. And then like the final shot of the video is like him like crossing the finish line, like arms yeah. up. Yeah. But I think the results were changed. Yes. So what okay. happened? So that was 99. Gravity Games, and I had to go through the whole crew. I went through Dane Van Bommel. I went through Todd. I can't remember who else I went through, and then I had Biker uh, in the final. I'm under the impression that Van Bommel was a very, very serious competitor at the time, too. Dane was, that was his first race. Oh, okay. But that was probably one of the greatest passes in my racing career. It's one of the, my favorite passes was passing him right in that chicane, that 90 degree, because Dane was fast. He had a good kick. And he was fast. Where was this? Really? Providence, Rhode Island. Okay. So I get in the final with Biker, and we, we, the beef was hot at that time. That was like probably real, you know, like boiling point of <laughs> the shit. So we were not happy. So we get out of the gate. Oh, that, oh, yeah. So when I get off the plane at the Gravity Games, we're all loading our shit into shuttles to go to the hotel, and Waldo comes across and chop blocks my knee, and I dislocate my knee. Oh. And I gotta do stand up the next day. My knee's like this big. They wanna drain it, and I'm like, no, don't drain it. I'm not having me put needles in my knee before I race. So they put the electric shock thing on there, whatever. So he got me out of the gate, you know, because I had a decent kick in the day. I mean, I, I mean, I was probably top five, maybe top six, seven in the kick. But, that's one thing I could usually get him on as a kick, but not the paddle on the push of the street lead. He destroyed me out of that. So I got, I, I got, I didn't get out good. He got out in front of me. I drafted him in the first 90, and I had him smoked in the S going down into the next 90. And as I'm going to pass him, if you look at it, you see his bump. If you look at what he's doing, he's doing this with his elbow. He's chicken winging me. He's pushing uh -huh. me backwards. So he does it once. And I come on again, and he does it twice. And as you see the picture, you just see us kind of doing this, bashing on each other. And then they flip the camera angle, and you see us separate. Because when he came in the third chicken wing, I said, fuck this. And I gave him a boost. <laughs> and so it separated us. And that's when I made the pass in the 90 and the right. And as we're going into the left, I'm going toe side, and I feel my rear of my board starting to go. And we didn't slide, I don't slide, but I didn't know anything about sliding, but I knew, because I'd gone riding with him and John Dredd, and they used to do set slides up down in Malibu, and, or up in, uh, yeah, in Malibu and shit, we'd go up and ride Rutgers. And so, uh, um, as he said, my board's going sideways, I'm just thinking, I'm going to beef a fucking sessy, I'm going to bend my knees and go, and then all of a sudden I felt my head go over the front of my, he pushed me. So basically his front, 
right wheel hit my rear left wheel and it started to slide and then he freaked out and just pushed me off and then he got to his board quicker than I did and so I get down to the bottom I'm sitting on the hay bales with Gabby Reese and uh, everybody's coming down they're like dude he pushed you he pushed you he pushed you and then somebody came with a video camera and showed him he pushed me and they're like why don't you protest and I'm like I can't protest because Hunter Joslin's his best friend and I got a protest with his best friend. And Gabby Reese is like, that's bullshit, Lee, go protest. So I'm like, yeah, a protest. And they already, they hadn't said who won. They already, okay. they were all sitting around this monitor and they're all sitting around the monitor. And they're trying to figure out what's up. And then I said, I protest. And then Hunter's like, eh. so like 10, 15 minutes later, he comes on the mic and says, unfortunately, Biker Sherlock will take the silver and Lee Danzi will win the gold. So, what do you mean, unfortunately? You're supposed to be biased, right. dude, you know? Hey, at least he gave it to you. So, well, NBC couldn't put that on television right. and, and give him a medal when it's blatantly him shoving me off the board. Right. So, that's what they were all over there looking at. And plus, Biker's dad was vice president of NBC Sports for like 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. So, and we probably really have a lot of that to thank for the like early notoriety of downhill skateboarding and street luge too at that time what do you mean if if biker's dad hadn't been an nbc i don't know it wasn't anything to do with that biker's dad was at nbc before and then biker got into that and then the gravity games happened so it was all coincidental gravity games things. had nothing to do with nbc yeah no nbc was gravity games okay it was on nbc which ended up turning into the do tour okay so the do tour was the gravity games it's all the same crew and people that started right. off with that but biker's dad i think it just retired at that point but I'm sure he, because of who he was, helped him get it to, to run the Gravity Games instead of the X Games. So how much was that gold versus silver worth in prize money? Twelve grand and nine, I think. Twelve and five, twelve and nine, I think. Oh, that's not that big of a difference in first and second. I, yeah, but still, you know, it's said third and then seven, seven, and then it just dropped off. Like the first three places, you got paid. Yeah. You know, and then it dropped off severely, and then like they paid the whole crew out all the way down for like five hundred for twentieth down. Right, that's what you were saying. Like uh, before we started the recording, that picture where you had to take a run. You had said you had to cross the finish line to get paid. Yeah. So you had to make it through one round. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you, you still had to finish your, you know, I, I, got, I got crashed in the two-man, and so I had the four-man to go. And if I just didn't go down the hill, they weren't going to pay me. If I just go down the hill and get last place, I've competed. So right, I got, got paid. Got a yep, yeah. appearance fee. Yeah, <laughs> appearance fee. So. That's okay. But That's see, I also, like, at the Gravity Games, when I won that medal, I have a consistency with Vans. First place, three grand. So right, I so got three grand lot. from Vans. I got another some from my other sponsors. So, you know, a thirteen thousand dollar paycheck turns into a sixteen thousand dollar paycheck. Pretty good for so, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. I mean, there was some good ones. You know. So in that era, who were who do you think were the greatest competitors? You know, in stand up, uh, two man or four man, whatever. Like in 1999-2000, who were the people you worried about the most on track? Well, I'd probably say nine, like 98-99, and I don't want to float my own boat, but I think I was, I mean, I won Gravity Games 99 gold, I won, or I mean, yeah, X Games 98 gold, I won Gravity Games 99 gold, I won, uh, was that, Donner Pass, you know, those, that, those couple years there, I was winning a lot of the big events, so, so for I think, I think those ones there, I, I was pretty good and dominant in that one when it got a little bit later on you know like after 99 around 2000 one of my biggest worries was dane i'd probably say dane you know definitely dane he had a mean ass kick 
he was a squirrely little fucker and he had a good tuck you know so the race uh that that picture's from you you had an injury yeah the you had a knee injury for yeah. that yeah and daryl freeman's knee. in that photo too right yeah he, he, had, had, he won that four-man yeah gravity games yeah see that's a part of the story i didn't know all i know is that he won but i didn't know that you weren't in that race, really. So that's. I was in the race, but I wasn't. You weren't. Yeah, you were. Really <laughs> but I actually me. gave those guys a hell of a run, dude. Because I mean, I was just gonna go out and chill out in the back, and that's where you see the picture was taken and going into the chicane. I was chilling out in the back, but once I got into the chicane, the draft became very apparent. <laughs> and after I got a two-man draft, I sling by him, and I'm like, adrenaline takes over. And I mean, when I got to the bottom, I tried to foot break. I put my foot down and my knee went out. And I hit the ground uh, and I got up and my knee was pretty swollen still. But when I got up and I sat on the golf cart because they were going to drive me over somewhere to do something, I felt, I heard a pop and I felt it go pop and you could watch it just fill up. It got huge. Uh, it sucked. So after 99, like where did, where did the, the gravity games and where did downhill skateboarding start to go from there? Because the gravity games kind of seems like a, a period where almost well, it was like whole, two or three years gravity games was out and then it disappeared because like almost the whole racing series at that time was like a feeder series for the gravity games like yeah. everybody was trying to qualify that was why you That's went to all the races. other races were too back at the x games back in the early days when we were going north carolina and racing all over as a point series to go to the x games yeah and, and the same thing was bikers association racing edi to get points to go to the gravity games or you meddled or trying to go and then after the, those things disappeared, X Games and Gravity Games, um, you know, because X Games was a one one shot deal, you know, one year. It was a demonstration sport. It was up against freestyle motocross. Okay, it was well, a demonstration yeah. sport. So no wonder why Downhill no, Skateboarding didn't make we it. We beat it. Oh really? We beat it. We beat it by one. It was fifty one percent to forty nine percent on the internet votes, and Downhill Skateboarding beat freestyle motocross. And was this the event that was like in the stadium? Yeah, it was uh, the one I think is uh, where Travis separated his spine from his pelvis by two millimeters. He came up short and just cased it on a jump. Oh. It was at that one. He just cased it and he stopped and he fell over and he's sitting there sideways with his leg up in the air because he's just jacked. So this is the event, like that demonstration event was on TV and that was the one that... Uh, they thought it was too dangerous, so they didn't, they pulled... Uh, it was, we won, we beat the freestyle motocross on the voting. But they gave it to freestyle motocross because they thought our event was too dangerous. Man, you guys must have been really sketchy for to look more dangerous than freestyle motocross. <laughs> you, you've seen it, bro. <laughs> yeah, you you've know seen what? my run. It, I, we were solid. Look. Oh, okay. I was going to say it did look that sketchy. But that's the event well, that, like... It was the final heat because I stuffed... <laughs> I held George out. And George got stuffed when he took out. And then Rat took out Sean. Everybody went down. It was a shit show in the final. <laughs> So, and like, okay, these I think me and Biker were the only two clean. Me and Biker were the only two that made it out clean. But that was the event that like uh, a 34-year-old Rick Clutie was watching on TV and like saw you in that event and said, I Yeah, it was a 34-year-old Lebo <laughs> racing down it, racing all these fucking 20-something-year-old kids. Yeah, you're kind of another member of that class. So like you and Clutie especially that were just 10, 15 years older than everybody else doing it. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of worked out, I guess. We just fucking go hard, you know? Go hard in the paint, yeah. <laughs> you know? Dude, another time, you want to get real, dude? I mean, these, I these fuckers today are serious. They're like fucking athletes, dude. Uh, everybody used to call me the laziest athlete on the planet because of practicing street leaders. I'm laying on my fucking couch, dude. I mean, it is like a downhill bed. So, but, you know, I didn't do any sort of working out. 
I was partying like a rock star. It was the 80s. That was my, they, they said, give yourself a quote at the X Games and your little fire thing. Mine was party like a rock star. All right. So, I mean, it was the 80s, you know. I grew up in, around the 80s, dude. It was bad music, bad hair. But good cocaine, you know. So it was, uh, it was some hard times, dude. You know, I mean, I was partying like a rock star. Hey, people knew I partied, but I don't think they know that I was doing like probably a quarter to a half ounce of cocaine on the weekends. Oh. You know, I mean, we were going hard, dude. I got no cartilage in the side of my nose. It's all gone, and that was before I started smoking it, and it got real bad. <laughs> that was like, dude. I think we we're in ninth grade, dude, and we were like in full-on Richard Pryor bass kits, dude, with ether and shit. Wow. I mean, we were hard, dude. We were hard, dude. I was eating my way out of mushroom patches in ninth grade before we'd go to school. God you know, damn. I mean, we went hard, dude. In the well, you, you turned know? out all right, considering. Well, I, then I went down a real bad path for a while, and then I disappeared from skateboarding for five years. Right. So when you like, you were in the X Games and the Gravity Games, and then when that fell off, what happened to stand up and luge racing? Okay, for me, X when the X Games dropped street luge. It was about eight months to a year later, Vans dropped me. Because uh, they were paying me 1500 a month, they could get three BMX riders for 500 a month. Right. Three, like, the top BMX riders for 500 bucks. You know, no, those scrubs. Right. So then when they dropped me, it was like, you know, where's my money coming now? And then I was like, I put all my, you know, buckets into these guys and was doing this for Vans. I felt betrayed kind of from Vans. I was really pissed off. And at that point also, I was burnt, dude. I was burnt out. We were traveling a lot. You know, when, when summer hits, when the summer hits, you know, it's that time. You know, winter, I was just partying and doing my fucking thing. And then summertime comes, it's like, you race one weekend and you got another weekend out, you got another race, you come back, throw your shit in the corner, rip open another box, throw some new shirts in the box, fucking throw some wheels in, whatever, restack your shit and you're off again. and. You know, it's just going on, like, going halfway across the country, especially when I had stomach problems. I'm, like, going to North Carolina, and I want to go eat, and there's a fucking Waffle House, dude, and I got a bad stomach. I don't need, like, a grease fucking pounder, you know? So it was it was really fucked, just, like, being in hotels and, and then racing, too. You're in, you know, 90-degree weather in a suit, and usually I was out at night drinking, getting fucked up, so dehydrated, no water, having a bad stomach, you know. It was a nightmare, dude, you know, and then the heat and just traveling all the time. So it, it finally just got to the point where when the X Games dropped, Street Luge, and I lost the sponsorships, and... You know, they were paying, I mean, it wasn't just the money I was getting monthly from Vans. They were paying my hotel, my uh, travel, my entry fees were like three events or two events. It was, you know, two or three hundred bucks just mm -hmm. for that. Um, you know, all my food. I mean, they took care of the whole ticket. That was like 60 grand a year on top yeah. of the like 20,000 they were paying me a year. And that was the big thing. So, I mean, the, that was the full right ticket. That's why they were so prominent on me, you know? And that's why I have the tattoo, is because I wouldn't have had what I had without Vans. I wouldn't have been able, I, my job would not have been able to pay to skate like everybody else did. Right. You know, like I said, me and Bike are probably the only two that we would get. I, I, don't, but I don't, I can guarantee you that Sobe was not paying everything of Bikers. I guarantee huh. you they were paying him a paycheck. 
I guarantee that he was out of pocket somewhere or out of the paycheck taking the money to buy his tickets to go travel. Hmm. He didn't, like, you know, I, I don't know if Sobe has that plan, but I don't think, I, you know, I wouldn't think that they would. Vans has it because they sponsor skaters that have to go around or BMXers that have to go around so they know their program. Right, they understand sponsoring yeah. a competition athlete. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So at that time... Uh, okay, so yeah, what you were saying, so when it fell off mm -hmm. for me around, I think, 2001, I just say I had enough and I, I just bailed out of the thing for a while, you know? And it was just partying, doing my thing. And I think I came back for Pascapu 206. Well, you, you went to, like, what, what about Skid Road? That was, like, 03, oh, yeah, the, no, two. Yeah, it was well, oh, two? Oh, oh, 02 was the last one, I think. And you were oh, at a two. Danger Bay, right? Like a Danger Bay 3? Three. 3, the original Danger Bay, yeah, the one, the uh, Hicks with Sticks. Yeah, Danger Bay 3, yep. Oh, yeah. Dude, I was walking, so they didn't tell me. Uh, I drive my car across the border, I'm in Canada, and I got a scuba diving knife. Right, you strap on your side of your leg. Yeah. Well, anything over a three-inch blade in Canada is illegal. Well, this thing's got a six-inch blade on it. So I'm walking around the campsite, and all these Canadians are freaking out. What's that, bro? I'm like, hey, man, check it out. <laughs> They're like, that's illegal up here, dude. You're going to get arrested. So my, uh, my girlfriend was pregnant with my daughter over there, Taylor. And we went to bed early that night. And I heard everybody screaming. I thought everybody was partying. But if somebody would have hit my tent with a stick with my pregnant girlfriend in there, they would have gotten stabbed. <laughs> Listeners, uh, for those of you who don't know, we'll get way more information on this probably from Scoot at some point. But uh, Danger Bay 3 was infamous for the uh, Hicks with Sticks incident in which some locals who were not really that fond of the downhill skating scene or race uh, came into the campsite like the with hockey sticks and basically just started like pulling people out of tents and beating the living shit out of them. Oh, they pummeled them, dude. I wake up the next morning, I saw a striker, dude. His whole shin was lit open down here. His arm was all dried blood. And people were just walking around fucked up. I'm like, you guys are skateboarders? Are you letting a bunch of hockey fuckers fuck you guys up? I was like, man, that shit ain't they, right. They dude. may not have been hockey players. Hockey sticks are just kind of like everybody. No, it was a hockey team. It was like oh, a hockey okay. team because the year before, I guess a bunch of the skaters hooked up with their girlfriends. And so the hockey guys were pissed off and came with the hockey sticks and started railing on people, I guess. Penner Harbor's a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So your, what was your setup like in the Gravity Games era? Because like, you rode for independent trucks as well. That was the only, me and I think Mallard and uh, that Magato. Uh, Andrew Magato or Mercado. Mercado, yeah. 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 He was riding in these. But other than that, everybody else was on Randall. Right, and I'm, I mean, he could correct me if I'm wrong on this, but he probably rode in these because Mallard did. Maybe, because he kind of, I, 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 I kind of remember him at the end coming on, I think, through Madrid when mm -hmm. Mallard was hooked up through Madrid. Yeah. And stuff like that. So. So your board was. Uh, my board was Sean cut out my board. It was out of Sean's plug. It was so my So did you shape. ever ride like a branded board or was it always like a no. homemade no name? No, it was my board. So that's kind of sick. It's like a lot of other people were on board companies. That was like TVS, Dregs. Yeah, TVS, Dregs, Comet, um, shit. Can't remember. Uh, I don't know. I didn't pay attention. But a couple people ride my boards. I sold them. I, so I had Sean run a hundred of my boards, and I sold them out the back of my car. Oh, I got them cool. for twenty bucks. It not screen because mm -hmm. that would have cost more money. Right, just blank. Blank. just blanks, and I oh. sold them out the back of the car. I got them. I think I paid twenty dollars a blank, and I sold them for forty or fifty bucks. Great. I doubled my money. Good deal. You know. And then, so what trucks? Indy two fifteens? No. 
I had two 15s on that lowered water ski I ran oh, okay. down. <laughs> uh, 169s? 169s. All right. One six hole. I take Indies. They're a little bit special. So I pound out the axles because the axles are a little bit too sloppy on the bearing, yep, air bearing. not precision axles. So I pounded those fuckers out, and then I took a Z-roller axle, and I'd pound that fucker in there, and it doesn't got anything to hold it from spinning, and then one nut's on, it's it's tight, so it's a bitch to get that thing off. Yeah, got That's why my shit stayed on. Right. <laughs> I had to take wheels off. wheels. But so, and then I took the kingpin out because at that point, Indy's trying to get that kingpin away so it doesn't get hung up on mm -hmm. shit when you're grinding. In, and I'm trying to get that kingpin out so I can put a taller bushing in so I can get that fucking truck to turn. So I'd pound out the kingpin. I'd put uh, find me some old school bushings that were taller, the top cone bushing. It was mainly about the top cone bushing, finding a good tall cone bushing. And then I'd just rake my front truck. Most of the guy, like Sean, I think he took the steering out of the back of his, out of the rear of his truck because he liked to run his trucks looser. I like my trucks tighter, but to be able to turn. So my concept was adding steering to the front and you know cranking it down a bit so wow. did but, you ever try other trucks like did you ride indies from the beginning uh, yeah pretty much i mean once i was on them and i was still shredding and i, I shred on them worked for they, you yeah i worked for it and okay. they were sending me dude packages from indy were awesome like in every month on the dot dude there'd be you know three four sets of trucks in there there'd be t-shirts just Stacks yeah, I, I can of stickers. With that. I'd way rather send you five sets of trucks and a paycheck. Stacks of stickers, <laughs> right? Yeah, stacks of stickers, and then like all sorts of shit, like flasks, watches, belts, pants. Dude, the indie fucking denim pants were the sickest pants. I love those things. They're so comfortable. But yeah, every month indie sending me shit. You know. Awesome. So I didn't ever could get those guys to cut the check though. They did cut one check for a photo incentive for something, but they, you know, they put me in. They put me in fucking Thrasher magazine, dude. I bumped somebody big. <laughs> That's all I can think about that, you know? Danny Way, you know, how many of the top riders ride indies? You right. know, and that to have, you know, that's twelve guys out of probably thirty top all, fucking all the skaters. Best, like, but, like guys I mean, in twenty the yeah, vert and street skaters. Right. You know, so they probably give maybe three to vert skaters and the rest go to street skater ads. And like they get bumped for a downhill ad. So I go to the trade show and I walk by a booth. I can't remember what it was. It was some hardcore booth. And they've got the thrasher. They ripped the picture out and they put it up on their fucking stand and they wrote stupid on it. And I walked by. Did they know you were coming? Or they no, 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 no. They just, they, 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 they just, they'd done their thing and ripped it out of the magazine and put it on. They think they were being cool, you know. And I walked by and I said, hey, you guys know who that is? I said, that's fucking me, dude. I said, I don't see you in Thrasher fucking magazine. And I put it up and I wadded it off and I threw it on the ground and I walked away. So I'm like, fuck dude, you. Friend, you know, I'm like, right fuck on. you. I, I kind of, it took a piece of my heart away when I saw it, dude. I was like, you know, I, like, fuck. You know, it was back when, like, skaters, like, they weren't too cool about downhill or street loose or any of that shit, dude, back in the day. I mean, it was like, it was beef even between vert and street, you know? It was. And they really didn't like our shit. I mean, I, I've been in meetings at Vans where I've been sitting at a table with, like, fucking um, that Barbier kid and a fucking bunch of these street skaters, dude. And they just they just think they're better than you, you know? It's, you know, hey, man, I'm getting a paycheck. I'm getting I'm getting coverage, and I'm getting my yaya's out too, dog, you know? It's like, I don't know. It was, it was interesting times. So... 
Danger Bay 3 is like kind of, and yeah, and you went to that first Pascapoo, or no, no the second, Pascapoo 06. 06. 06. Okay. I don't know which one it was. So that's when I met Reggie. I guess. I don't remember meeting Probably. Reggie, but I ran straight the fuck into Reggie. And so we're coming up, I mean, like, I made it pretty good. So it was like 300 people in the race. Oh, yeah. So I made it, I think I made it to third round. So that's cut in half, and I hadn't skated. That's really not bad. And I hadn't skated in years, mm -hmm. and I was on the old setup, and it raises well, some pretty wheels? heavy hitters. On the fucking same wheels, so what the excuse of gravity like game on? White cryptos? No, uh, 70 millimeter X gates. 70 millimeter oh, X gate wheels. Even better. Oh, no. oh yeah. And that was, and they had uh, a seam down the they had a seam down the center of the wheel. Uh, BQ was on that trip too, right? I don't know. He might have been. Uh, that was that was the first the maiden voyage of the Mercado van. Yeah, Sean went up with the Mercado. Yeah, Sean yeah. went up with Mercado. Oh, okay, so you weren't with them? No, no, I went up with uh, okay. McBride. McBride took me up there and okay. I had a race we'll get, forever. We got, we'll get somebody else on the show to tell a story about BQ in Canada. So <laughs> I come out of one of those corners, right? And fucking, I'm following the pack. I think it was an eight man heat or something. Mm -hmm. I think I'm in like six or fifth or something. I'm in there. And I come off the corner and dude just goes down. Another dude goes down. Dude turns around and runs back for his board. And I fucking just nail him, dude. And I go down so hard, I pop my shoulder out, and I'm just fucking pissed. And I guess it was Reggie. So oh! <laughs> I, I, if I could talk to him, so I'd be, like, I get really along with my Canadian guys, dude. I love the Canadian guys. Fucking Troy Yardways, Reggie. Dude, they're, all, they're fucking rad, dude. So I'm fucking talking to Reggie. He's like, dude, you remember the first time I met you? I'm like, no. He's like... I met you, dude. He, I go, at the Pascaboo race. I go, yeah, that race, I fucking ran into that guy. He goes, yeah, that was me. It's a little 16-year-old raggy just getting blasted. Oh, dude, dude, it hurt, dude. That fucking hurt. So I went up to the car, and I snorted an 80 milligram. I actually got, and I felt better, and I got forced into the street. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't paddle very good with the shoulder all fucked up. So in 2011, I had a broken collarbone at Pascapoo. Yeah. I raced in the street luge. And I got third place. Props, that props. <laughs> okay, so 98 X Games. Before I go to the X, two weeks before I go to the X Games, I'm riding my dirt bike out of the dunes. And I'm hitting this one dune, and we're riding it, we're dropping it backwards. So everybody's coming off it this way and hitting a little lip over here mm -hmm. for landing. So we're hitting it reverse. I hit it in fourth gear, and there's a picture of me I got, and I'm fully like not, I land <laughs> like 10 feet short, so I'm on flat, and the bike is fully compressed. I mean, wheels up in it. And so next run, I come, I'm going fifth gear, man. Fucking rah, get it. Fucking go up and over the backside. And as it starts dropping, the nose starts dropping. Oh, no. And I'm at that second where I'm like, jump the fuck off. And I'm like, no, dude, you got this. The front <laughs> wheel ain't going to hit first. You either come in both of the rear wheels get a hit, you're going to be good because it's sand. But no, the front wheel came in and it just buried. The bike came over me four times. I broke five ribs, hemorrhaged my lung, and separated my shoulder. Oh. And I was coughing up chunks of jelly blood out of, out of the thing. And that was two weeks before I went to the X Games. Holy and I still hell. won the gold medal. Gravity Games, Waldo dislocated my knee, and I still won the gold medal. Man. Like, every time I get fucked up, dude, it's just like you, you don't think you're going to do good. So you're like, fuck it. And then all of a sudden, adrenaline takes over and you start doing good. And then it's time to like, need some, need some more. <laughs> yeah, right? and get in the zone. And then, you know, like, if you watch my X Games race, 
So my ribs just gotten sticky like two days before. So uh -huh. I broke one and two up here. I got a big hole in my chest from where they healed like that. And so they just gotten sticky. Well, Louie shows up with the electric skateboards. And so we're all buzzing around in the fucking bottom parking lot. And I hit the brake, I, I lit the accelerator and I hit the brake when it was fully pinned, it locked up. So I went down, boom, and I got up and I breathed and I could feel them popping again. So I went straight to the medic tent. They wrapped me up and shit. Then I went up to Rat's fucking rig. And uh, actually, I went to the car first to get the weed. And, and the Percocets, and like about 10 or 15 of those. Whoa! And then I went, and I went up and smoked the eighth. So if you watch the first race, I'm like really worried because they got they got the hay bale chicane, and you can't really. See, and in stand up, you can see it better because you're up higher. But yeah. on street leads, you can't see through there. And I'm just worried they're stacking six whiffs in there, and they're going to get wadded. And now my ribs are loose, so if I go down at like 50, that ri those ribs could go into my heart or my lungs. So I'm kind of like wigging on it, and I'm looking at my heat. And I'm I'm like, I'll smoke these fools. No, the guy, guy in here can handle what I got. And I just knew. So I kick out and I'm in the back and I'm in fifth as we come through the chicane and I just pin them, boom, 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 one by one. And just watch that heat. And I, I think I get like second at the bottom. And so like, comes to the next race, I think it was the final. And I'm like, I'm pumped at this point. I'm like, fucking perks kick it in like because i'm one of those 10, opposite 10 to 15 dudes. perks yeah well I, i'm one of those opposite guys well dude i'd snorted fucking 80 up each nostril for breakfast in the morning dude oh. and 80 milligram oxy which is 16 perks that's 32 just for breakfast <laughs> so i'm like the type that's the opposite so like uppers bring me down okay you know and then downers bring me up okay so by that and they're kicking in so that's when i jumped out in front in that heat and got the gate Biker said I jumped the gate, but we've looked at it a bunch of times. You know, the perfect gate. I got out there, and uh, George is on my left side, so I was like, at this point, I'm like, I gotta just hold George out. And I think somebody gave me a little push, and then I just, as we're going in, it's a right left. I just held George out because he can't go anywhere until I go. So I just, I'll hold him out as long as I fucking can, and I'll dive. So I held him out as long as I can, and I dove, and he ate shit. He went down with somebody who ate shit. And then I got through clean, and then I think Biker came through in second, and then Rat took out Mallard. But you know, if I would have if I would have gone down, dude, I would have been done. You know, I was like, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you just know. I mean, like when I was when I won the go with the dislocated knee at the gravity, I just every time you start winning, it's like build your confidence. And it just gets to a point where you're just like, I fucking know. And then you're in the final and your heart's all racing because you're on the line. You know, like at the winter X Games, they put heart monitors on us, right? Uh -huh. And every time I come back up, they're like, we need to change your heart monitor. And like after the third time, I'm like, why do you keep changing mine? And they're like, we got a broken one. So they put the fourth one on and I come back up again and they're like, what's going on? And you're like, 24 guys that got strapped up with heart monitors. In the starting gate, they're res at 90 beats per minute, and they let them go, and it goes up to 160. Mining the starting gate was 160, and when they let me go, mine would go down to 90. Oh, yeah. And they're like, you're just broken. So they kept putting new ones on me, and they just figured out that, I just said, dude, because, you know, for one, I had never done the super modified, but it was like, just get to work, concentrate, do what you're doing, get focused, and do your shit. You know, and that was what it was. I just got focused. But in the starting gate for the street leaders and everything, you're on the gate, you know, waiting for that beat. You know, you got gate can be the whole fucking race. So, you know, it's it was funny though, but 
the heart monitor thing. That's, That's really interesting, yeah. Just built different. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you were at the um, the San Francisco Big Air. But one that raced three years in a row. So, the, so, so that one, we haven't gotten to talk about this on the show hardly at all. That, so tell me what that event was, what the events were at that event and what it was like. It was a two, four, I think a two, four and a six man or a four and a six man, three event street luge. And first year we went down the street that they filmed Bullet on. The movie Bullet where he's catching mm -hmm. Aaron C. McQueen. We went down that street the first year. And just the street, grade of the street, you would catch air. And we were doing like 55 miles an hour. And I think we were catching about a foot of air for 20, 30 feet or something. So that was the point that I wasn't on Z rollers. I was on Indies at that. I was racing Indies at that day. I had two 15s on. So every run, I'd land, I'd get to the bottom, I'd have to take the hanger off and put a new 215 on because I'd snap the 215. The axle was the only thing keeping it together. It'd snap straight down the center, up through the kingpin area, and it'd just break it, get me to the bottom, and I'd put a new one on and go back up. Perfectly straight hill. Yeah. So at least. But you're launching. So it wasn't that big. It wasn't that big air the first year. So the second year, they changed to a street called Deharo Street, and then they started putting ramps up, like, I don't know, three to six inch ramps and during the race and then they put a bigger one up for big air and the Deharo street it was it was a lot gnarlier <laughs> i mean it was, so i win the first year the six man i win the second year six man the third year we go and uh we're coming down to the finals and uh I'd been just flying really good. I mean, just relax, lay how, back. How far are you flying? In the race, I think we were, I don't know, maybe two, three feet in the air for 60 feet, I'd say, side by side. And so I was flying pretty good. And in the semifinal, um, the board nosed in on me on the, on the semi, and the front hit and busted off the boom of my board. And I had one of these <laughs> Velcro or zip tied one of my toys on the front of the board. So when the front broke off, it went flying off, and some kid had it. And so I get to the bottom, and I am going up for the final, and I want to win this event because I've won it three years in a row. But now I've got nothing to put my feet on for feet pegs, and plus I've got this sharp piece of steel. If I embroil anybody, I'm going to fucking <clears throat> skewer them. So I'm down there and I got some foam and a duct tape. So I foam duct tape this big wad on the end and I grab one of the old 215s and I figure eight some tape around it. I just want it so it's not gonna slam my heels on the ground and slow me down when I land because I don't, I, anything to take my speed away, I'm fucked. Speed, speed, speed. Right, straight hill. So we get out of the gate, Jappetson first, one of the bonehead Roger brothers. I don't know, Dave or John, I can never, then they're in their suits and they're laying down, they both look the fucking same. So they're in, th I was in, third or fourth, right? And take out the second jump. I pass one of those guys in the air in the second, and we go off the last jump, and Chapman's got it, dude. I should have had it, and I just launched off the second one, and I knew in the air I got him. He, he just landed, and I was in the air still, and I knew I got him. I landed, and as soon as I was going by him, I was fucking hands in the air, not even anywhere near the finish line, just fucking claiming, dude. It was awesome. And Glenn Flake was at that one, 
And I told Plake, I said, Plake, I'm going to win this race, dude. I said, I, I won it two years in a row. Nobody's won a race three years in a row, and I'm winning this race. And Plake says, oh, you're, you're you know, fucking arrogant, you know, or something. And I said, there's a fine line between arrogance and confidence, bro, and you got to be confident. If you you got to be confident if you want to win. And he came up after I won the race, and he said, congratulations, you knew it, you know, and he gave me props, and that was pretty cool. So then what was the bigger? So then, after the race, they put a bigger jump out, and you just ripped it. How big was it? Uh, I think we had three inch in the race and like six inch, but so then we went from like four feet, 60 feet, four feet in the air. I think Walt, there's a shot of Waldo, and he's about six feet in the air. I think it went 96 feet. I think I went, I got fourth in the big air because Mason went off the jump before me, and Mason's a fat fuck. I'm sorry, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> he's not with us any longer another one but the cancer got poor Tommy um, but yeah so the ramp broke because I didn't break and oh. I should have gone further because the people are like I'm trapping Brent why are you fucking breaking dude just hit the thing you know uh, if Biker wouldn't go to that race because it was two weeks before extra gravity and he didn't want to get hurt because a week afterwards your neck was a little sore I bet. but it was a blast dude it was so fun and they, did they put chalk on the ramps uh, for the race and the big air? No, just for the big air so they could see where you landed, so they could get oh. a tape measure and mark the landing. Oh, so okay. they talcum powdered the ramp. That's why when he blasts off, he looks like he shot out of a okay, cannon. I thought it was just to make it look cool. like you No, no, it was talcum powder on the ramp, so when they landed, you they could run out and see a mark. Yeah, they could go, oh, that's a mark, and they run out. Oh, Dude, there was, there was people hanging out of the, 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 the like, what do you call it? The, um, um, Apartments on each side had like 10 or 15 people on their balconies hanging out. I mean, the streets were just packed. I mean, X Games, and, uh, dude, you're talking 15,000 people on a 5 8 mile road. Right. How far did you go in the Big R? I think I went 92 or 94. Wow, so almost as far as Waldo. That was about three or four feet. Because I haven't shorter. seen, I've only seen a little bit of footage from that, like what's kind of available on YouTube. And you see, like, Chappet, like, crashing and ended up head first and, like... Yeah, I think if you watch the rest of that video, it's the one that I fucking claim it as I spanked him. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> you, see like, you see people coming off the, the big air ramp and, like, Chappet, they, they crash and they don't go very far and they just... Everyone looks uncomfortable. And then the one shot of Waldo... It looks like he's done it his whole life. Oh, yeah, he's just laid out. Like, dude. He did it like a laser, lands perfectly, mm -hmm. like his elbows don't even pop out. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. it, looked, he looked it looked great. a little jarring, but... Oh, yeah, no, he, he got jarred. You got jarred. You got jarred around. <laughs> it was fun. And that, like, I never really drank or anything. I might smoke weed and take some downers at races, but I never really drink at races. And that, that last one, I had a few Red Bull vodkas. <laughs> RBVs, brother. Oh, so, well, Red Bull was sponsoring it, and Die Trying was there, and their bus was full of vodka. So, well, you know, there was a red keg cup, so uh, A and B make C, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just simple chemistry. Yeah. So, if you're up for it, you know, we'd love to hear about your time off from skateboarding and yeah I, I got nothing high dude I, i'm straight up man you know like i said i partied like a rock star when i was a kid and never really got out of it when skateboarding went away and stuff i had some stomach problems over the years and i think today coming to research some stuff from the mayo clinic it might have been a thing called hypermesis so okay. i used to smoke a lot of weed 
And so hypermesis uh, hits a part of your brain when it's supposed to make nausea not happen. So it'll hit that same thing and trigger nausea. So it can have the opposite effect than creating it. And like I used to smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> so I think that was, so I had stomach issues. And so it was like really bad stomach issues and a buddy of mine gave me a couple Oxycontins and those made me feel better. And then, so then I got into a doctor and got prescribed those and was on those for a few years. And once I got hooked on those, everything kind of went downhill. Um, everything was about getting those every month. Uh, 80 milligram Oxycontins, 90 counts, like 16, 1800 bucks. And when you don't got insurance, so it was shysting stuff, doing things, selling things to get the money to do that. That's why I sold you my helmet. That uh, was a month of prescription when I sold you my helmet. Right, I mean, at that time, like, I only knew you from from pictures and videos. I mean, that was just like 2009 or 10. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I was like, I knew somebody who had your phone number and I was able to make that happen. Yeah. But but it it seemed like you were in a bad place. Oh yeah, dude, it was in a bad place. And then it just got worse from there. And then I'd have to sell some of my prescription to get my prescription, so I didn't have enough to last the time. So then, you know, and plus I was doing more than I was supposed to be doing. I think I was getting prescribed four a day, but like I said, I'd do two for breakfast, a right. couple for lunch. I mean, I could do eight or 10 80 milligram oxys in a day. That's like 160 perks, dude, no problem. I'd still be functioning. And then people back in those days, they're like, oh, I'm doing Oxycontin, and they wouldn't know if they were doing a 10, a 20, a 40, or an 80. So somebody would do one, and they'd do like a 40, and the kid would keel over and die, you know, because they'd take the, the coating off instead of being time release. Uh -huh. You take the coating off, and you get it all at once. You get the banger. So, you know, and everything just kind of fell apart at that point. I ended up losing my house. I bought a house from skateboarding. I ended up losing my house. Uh, put everything in storage, lost my storage unit. I mean, I had jerseys from Pastrana signed to me, Mira jerseys, I had boards from Hawk, you know. I, I had all sorts of, I had banners, I mean, banners I had climbed up on shit that was crazy to cut down in the middle of cities like San Diego and San Francisco to get these like 10 foot X game banners down that were like done up there well, you know. I had like, every year I had to have an X games banner. Yeah. You know, or something, so. Yeah, I had all this stuff and I lost my storage unit, you know, and then lost the place where I was living, ended up on the streets, then lost my doctor, wasn't getting Oxycontin, somebody said, hey, you try heroin, I'm like, I can't poke myself, I hate fucking needles, and then they, you know, poke me and then I felt better, I wasn't sick, I tried smoking it at first and that didn't work, and then they, got, they had somebody that would shoot me, and, you know, for the first, like, couple months, because I didn't, I don't like needles, I've had a lot of needles in my knees and stuff, and so then it got to the point when we were doing drugs and you're waiting around and you're sick and you want, you want to feel better, and, like, the one dude's doing theirs and theirs, and you got to wait for, like, you know, an extra half an hour, and you're sick. I'm like, fuck that, give me the thing. And I just started jabbing myself, you know, and then started hitting veins. And I'm not a veiny person, so it's like, and it got bad. It got to the point where I was, like, sticking needles in my neck and shit, dude. It got pretty hard at one point, Zach. You know, I'm living on the street. I was yeah. doing some fucking shitty stuff, you know. I mean, like, strong-arm robbery shit, you know, shit that's not good, you know. And then the heroin, you get all up on that, and then it was time to do a little bit of meth to keep you going. And it's 3 o'clock in the fucking morning. Let's go prowling. You know, you'd be surprised on how many fucking people are stupid as shit and leave guns and, like, valuable shit in the car and leave the car unlocked. 
If that car was locked, I wouldn't have gotten in it. We didn't break windows and break into cars. We just went around and filled the car. The car handle was open. That's an invitation to come in and get what you're getting. You know, I'm not proud of what I did, but I was on the streets, and when I was in that position, that's what I did. You know, uh, I'm not the same person I was five years ago. I'll tell you that. Well, I mean, that's and that person I was five years ago wasn't the person I was before I was that person right. either. Well, and that's the thing. I've, I've learned a lot about substance abuse and addiction in, in the last, I don't know, maybe five, six years, and the the overarching principle that keeps coming around is that uh, it's all just about trying to get relief from some kind of pain or, or... See, that's something I don't get. Me, I, I don't think I, was, I had any pain that was trying... I think it was me. I well, enjoyed drugs, dude. Well, but, you had, mean, but you had pain in your stomach. And you ended up well, that, was later, opioids, that you know? was later on, though. But, like, when I first started doing drugs, it wasn't trying to hide a pain. It was like, fuck, that feels good, dude. Well, yeah. Let me try that again, that's you know? a different deal. But that's not, <laughs> at that time, it wasn't a problem for you. But when you found yourself in, in the Dude, depths. having a fucking ninth grade and building a box in fucking wood shop to put your free base equipment isn't a problem. Okay. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude, uh, you know? All right, never mind. No, it was a problem, this but I liked it, dude. Ninth grade, and I got a good grade on it. I think I got a B on the fucking thing. Wow. You asked me what it was for, I just said it was a toolbox. <laughs> That was not inaccurate. Uh, but, yeah, that's true. I never thought about it that way. Uh, they were your tools. Yeah, but, like, you know, like I said, I mean, I don't I don't believe that I was trying to hide anything. I felt pretty good about myself, you know. I mean, I was traveling the world. I was getting paid. I was on TV, you know. I was hanging out with people like fucking Travis Pastrana. I mean, I was doing, dude, the X Games put me with Tony Hawk one year but doing autographs. At the time, you know? like, by the time you're hooked on heroin, you might just be trying. That was afterwards. Get, you might just be trying to get away from the discomfort of not having any heroin. Well, yeah. Well, also, we'll see. I was having stomach issues. That's why I got hooked right. on the heroin. And, you know, it was all kind of a process. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just down in the corner. Uh, my life's shit. Uh, let's get fucked up. You know, or oh, uh, fucking my stepdad played with me. You know, and uh, I'm gonna go on the rest of my life hating my. Uh, you know, I, it wasn't anything like that. It was I enjoyed doing drugs, and then the more I did them, the more I enjoyed them. You know, like cocaine's fuck, dude. And being locked in the bathroom at four o'clock in the morning with four strangers telling your life story to, I mean, and all fucking geeked out and paranoid. It's not fun. And then the next night, just fucking get drunk. Let's do some more. Right. You know, because. Go spend 200 bucks on booze at the bar and then go get an eight ball and do a line and then you're not drunk at all. You know, it's like you're completely sober. You can be cocked out of your mind, do a fat fucking railer, and then you're just like, yeah, well, what's the point of spending two hundred dollars and getting drunk? <laughs> you get to a fat line and be sober, and then you got beer and the thing you don't want to drink. You just want to do more coke. <laughs> you know, it's terrible. But then you just keep doing it. It's like I don't want to do that, and then you do it again and again and again and again. You know, heroin you had to do because you get sick. Yeah. Cocaine you just did because it was fun, even though it wasn't fun. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that one, but it's the, the cocaine was just bad. <laughs> still is. I don't know. I haven't had it in years. So how did you find your way back? 
Because I think it's not the common story. Well, basically, like he says, on the street doing bad shit and every day having to fight and struggle to get dope to get not sick. He's standing on the corner fucking with a sign and begging for money, you know, and it's degrading, dog. I mean, it's not good. And I just gotten sick and tired. My other half had taken off and I couldn't get a hold of her and I, was, I just had enough. And so I reached out and called um, her mom because my daughter was staying with her and she was taking my daughter to school and couldn't come help me. And I called my mom, which I hadn't talked to in two years and told her I needed help. And she called a friend of mine. He came down and got me. And I'm like, dude, I'm sick of shit. Can I get, give me 20 bucks, <laughs> some dope, so I can feel better before I go into rehab? And he's like, fuck you, no. Fucking took me home. I was sick all night. He put me in rehab. I was in rehab for 30 days. I yacked the whole 30 days. It's sick as fuck the whole 30 days. Oh. I got out of rehab and yacked. And uh, you know, my mom dropped. I called a friend of hers. She gave her 10 grand cash. They dropped it down on me. Put me in rehab, and I pushed through it. And I just, you know, I just kept going and going, you know, and yeah, I mean, I'm clean, but I'm not 100% clean. I mean, I, I got broke off last year really bad on my ankle and, you know, they gave me some Percocet and I didn't want them, but I was in pain. So I'm like, you know, marijuana is legal. And so I you know, puff on a joint here and there once in a while. And if it's an everyday thing or it becomes too much of an issue, then yeah, I got to check myself, and put it back. But, you know, it's not, it's not a climbing ladder thing for me. I've been there, seen it, done it all, you know. <laughs> it's not too much shit I ain't done. That's still pretty know? huge, though. Like, that's a, a really common way that people who have Get back like, on it. Like, well, painkiller addiction. You know what the deal was, honestly, Zach? It's because painkillers constipate you. And fucking to tell you the truth, being constipated and stomach pain from constipation is way worse than broken bone pain. And not being able to shit really sucks, dude. <laughs> it really does. So that was kind of a big factor to it and every once in a while like today i had a couple beers out in the hill it was hot mm -hmm. one or two and I, i'm good you know a couple beers you know i did like four years ago have an incident up at danger bay where i drank a half gallon of vodka and got naked and did some stupid shit and i learned and you know, i can't do that anymore okay. <laughs> I mean, relapse is a part of recovery yeah so but you know other than that like like i said i might have a beer very occasionally once a year you know if that you know i smoke on and off occasionally because of my pains from getting broken off you know other than that i'm good you know on my program that's good for me it's working for me you know, I'm not falling back. My problem is hardcore drugs, you know, methamphetamines, cocaine, heroin, the good shit, you know, psychedelics. Right. Well, you know. and you can tell that you weren't trying to cover up some, you know, horrible part of your past or something because for people with that kind of stuff, usually like 30 days of rehab does not get you through. They, yeah, they I, I, was a guy, I was a guy that was in like a fifth fucking stint, dude. I'm like, if it didn't work the first four fucking times, why are you coming back, dude? Find another way, dude. It's 10 grand every time. Right. Oh, and that's, that's, you're the very much the exception, not the rule. I was, dude, I'm 54 now, so this was five years ago. I was 49. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. You got to hit the rock bottom, and then you got to pick a pickaxe out, and you got to put a good half hour, hours work in, and you got to dig down a little bit further than rock bottom. You do. You got to dig down a little bit further. And then you got to say, fuck, dude, I had to call my ex's fucking, my ex-mother-in-law, basically. Dude, come on now. I don't want to talk to her. I know she won't be listening to this one. <laughs>
So, but you know, I'm telling you, man, I, I, you got to just get. I just, I was sick and fucking tired. So, you know, and then just being that sick, and then after I got clean, after a few years, it got better. My stomach got better. Mm. You know, because basically, I think the hypermesis from the weed, and then I got into the Percocets, and then the Vite or the the Oxycontins, and then the heroin. So then my stomach problem got worse. And then the heroin thing, you're sick if you don't have it. So it all compounded. So once I got everything, I mean, first like year of my life, like 49 to 50, dude, I didn't have any sort of shit in my system. Whatever, first time in since I was 12 or 13th, grade, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. You know, I never had anything in my system for a year. Wow. So, you know, my body was kind of tripping on that. But it felt good, you know. It's like. It was. It felt really good. Yeah. And nowadays, like you can smoke some weed and it doesn't bother your stomach. No, I, I mean, if I if I, I did, I got a little bit harder. I had to check myself a while back. I started smoking daily again, and mm -hmm. you know, it was like I started getting nauseated. So I checked myself. Stomach came back around. And that's when I put one and two together. It might be the hypomesis. Wow. So you know. So when you were racing, you know, on the professional level or even before, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I didn't ever race to amateur, bro. Right. I went straight for <laughs> Right. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> made all those poor bastards race go through the amateur series. I know, and he definitely manipulated that to keep some people down for longer, it seems uh, yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, like I said. You, know. you think uh, you think you hit your head a lot? The downhill on the street leaves not too bad. It's other shit. It's all the cross-training shit. BMX. Yeah, snowboarding, motocross, any other shit, you know. But when we skateboarded back in the day, like in the 70s and early 80s, we didn't use fucking helmets. Right. You know, I mean, that was me upgrading the Thrasher magazine wearing a flyaway. Seriously. I yeah. mean, we did not wear shit. I mean, it was Lycra, like those girly fucking jogging things. What do you call them? Yoga pants these days. Classic. <laughs> but you wear shit like that, you know, and that's what it was. So that's something some we've been kind of chasing around doing this podcast. But yeah, that, I mean, yeah, I bounced my head off the ground a few times without a helmet, you yeah. know. But we you, you still didn't. I, I got lucky, I guess. That's probably what it is. I got lucky as fuck. Yeah. But I've had some concussions. But I mean, like, soon I, I was like 12 years old. Maybe before I was eating the mushrooms in the mushrooms patch, it did something to my arm. So I had my arm in a sling. And back in the 80s, they had these things called breeze and pullovers. And it was a pullover. So I had my arm in a sling, I had the pullover on, and I was on my BMX bike, and I'm riding one-armed. And I hit the jump, boom, and I landed, and fucking on the head. And then my buddy's dad worked for the fire department, picked me up, and I was out for a good three minutes that time or four Oof. minutes. So, but yeah, I've had some, I've had some brain brangers, but not in stand-up. I really haven't. I guess last year is the worst accident I've had in stand-up, but that wasn't my fault. I got taken out from behind. I, you know, pulled off a slide. Was going through a 90, and dude came through trying to nail the corner without sliding, scrubbing speed, like. 25 miles an hour faster than me and blows out and just slams straight in the back of the board. He took an inch chunk out of the back of my board. He hit me so hard. Ugh. And so I broke my tib, fib, and my wrist. But that's like the worst. Other than that, over the years, I've never done anything in stand-up. Street luge, when I won the gold on Saturday and then on Sunday I crashed. I hit the bales and Curtis hit me and John, I think, hit me. 
uh, I had a bruise that went from underneath my hip here, or down past my hip, and it was like this wide, and it jiggled when I walked. Oh, probably. It was so big. Oh yeah, dude. Seth Enslow. I'm sitting. In, I'm sitting in with a bunch of motocross guys with fucking Seth Enslow and fucking uh, who else? Metzger and all these freestyle motocross guys and. Uh, one of their mechanics like, who the fuck's that? And Enzo's like, that's Lee Danzy, motherfucker. He does 70 miles an hour on a skateboard. He goes, Lee, pull up your shirt. And I show him the bruise. And Seth looks over and Seth goes, that's a fucking bruise, dude. And for Seth Enzo to say that's a bruise, that's a bruise. Because okay. that dude's gnarly. Gnarly, dude. They peeled his fucking forehead down to put brackets and a plate in his skull and pulled it back up and sewed it back over with staples. And he wasn't supposed to be back on a bike for a year or two, and six months later, he's jumping fucking 70-foot gaps. Wow. Dude's gnarly. So since you've been back, you know, kind of the mm -hmm. first time I think I saw you in person would have been at a Mary Hill event, like with... Uh, 2016? With Dennis. Yeah. My guy. Yeah. My guy, Dennis. Uh, so what was it like to like have an intermission and come back? Like what was, what was different? What was the same? Dudes were gnarly, dude. I mean, the whole game changed, man. It's when you guys started doing the sliding and shit. I, I couldn't believe it when I came back and I saw guys doing like 50, 60 up to a 20 mile hairpinner and just throw it out. You know, heel side pendies I can understand because that was kind of coming on. I kind of saw that, but those toe side Roman candles on Venoms and those sticky ass wheels. I I got respect, a lot of respect. And you know, and, you know now it's you know, just what, the last four or five years you've gone slalom board? Yeah, About four or five years. Kind of since 2017. Yeah, it, it's really making, it, it's really made a press in the last year. Yeah. I mean, you got freaking uh, that big head kid, Dane, Dane Hanna and all those guys are riding smaller setups. I swear that's why that kid's so fast. It's because his head's so fucking big. <laughs> it pulls him down the hill. Also, Penderhard is a hell of a drug. <laughs> I know, dude. That guy's always shotgunning, dude. He's always on Instagram just. Yeah. Uh, what is to be young? <laughs> all right. How old are you now? I'm 54 on Tuesday. And on oh, two days. I always miss it by day. Pisses me off out of here. They always miss it by a day. Well, if you told us, we could have done something. We could oh, something that's all tomorrow. good, man. Hey, man, I got I got you to you guys to carry me up on the stand for the electric uphill race. Oh yeah, so so that was, that was like that. The, so listeners who don't know the last time we raced at Maryhill in uh, 2019 um, was that for Grandmasters or was that for the what, what? the uphill race? It was the uphill race. So Lee got on the podium for the. The first ever Mary Hill eboard uphill race, and we carried him to the podium, which is like obviously what you do now. But we didn't have that. But why did you have that? I don't know. Did nobody had friends. No, but they they weren't cool, dude. Like you, said to, like, you said to walk up there? Yeah, you just wanted I guess we were all like too cool. We, hey, don't pick me up, bitch. I can walk. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I just like, I saw a bunch of people doing it over the years, and I'm like, I want to be carried up on the podium. That's cool. Yeah, because honestly, it's like, so I went and asked Zach. Pretty much the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah, so I asked Zach. I go, I go, Zach, can you do it? He's like, yeah, we got you, we got you. So I go away like 15 minutes later. I go, hey, Zach, hey, Zach. He goes, hey, don't ask me again, man, or we're not going to do it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> 
We did it. Oh, no, it was awesome. Well, was they awesome. almost weren't going to do an Eastgate podium. We, I know, dude. I got some coffee and a sticker, I think. Right. We made sure that it happened. Dude, those things hurt, man. I, I was having so much fun on that thing for a while. But the one I was on, the guy that built it didn't know really what he was doing because Dennis took it apart. And Dino actually had one of those, too. And Dino got worked recently, and he just gave it to Dennis. And Dennis oh, wow. It. Yeah, he, Dino got piled on it. And so you'd be punching it, and you got to lean so far forward when you're punching it on the thing. Mm -hmm. And if it cuts out, it's like hitting a pebble on a, on a vert board, <laughs> on a piece of smooth ground. And it piles you in the ground, but it's like that on steroids. It's like having the Hulk behind you throwing you in. It fucking hurts, dude. And so I'd taken a few piles on the thing, and I'm just like, I can't. My body hurts. I can't keep doing it. <laughs> I can't keep doing it. But I got to get third in the uphill race, so I was pumped on that. That would have been a good weekend, but I got crashed by John Rogers going into Cowser's in the semi, and I was right behind Mikel, and John was in transfer was in, position. In luge. In luge. Okay. How the fuck do you pit maneuver somebody without a boob? I asked him that this weekend. <laughs> he didn't have a good answer for me. Because that means the front of the board's right here, so his ass is back in the back of my board to pit me. Mm-hmm. You know? No, I don't know how. I didn't see his legs going up over my head, so I don't know how he got how he got that way. But boo! So I got pitted on that one. I was feeling strong on the loose, so I think I might have been able to get a podium spot, maybe a third or fourth or something. And then uh, stand up was fucking having a killer time in the Grand Masters, and I think uh, Shaughnessy got into it with Swervo, and they crashed in an ambulance and took me out. Ugh. So that was a shit weekend. Well, we get to try again. It's all good. I'm done with racing now. Okay. After getting broke off this last time and having the serious injury, it was the tip fib and my wrist because I broke my wrist seven months before skating a bowl or skating some street that I hadn't skated in years. And I just went over and dropped in. And they're like, hey, you don't drop in. I dropped in fine, but I went up the next wall and I went for a front side turn. No. Go back yeah. side, front. I know, I'm trying to think how I land. I came down backwards like this, so I was going front side. I was going front, I went for front side. I did something, and I came back down on my wrist, and I just felt it snap. I never had that before. Oh, I saw and, the photos of that. It was oh, dude, so I stood up, and it's down. It's down like this. I just, uh, I, I'd never done it. I just grabbed the fucker, and I straightened it back up, and they tried to get me out of the bowl, and they got me out of the bowl, and I'm just swearing. I got no fucking insurance in Maryhills next weekend, and I'm pissed. And I gotta go to work. And I gotta go to work, so I'm pissed. And I'm just, I, I can't do anything, I gotta just hold it like this, because if it's up, it's, it, uh, after I held it up like that, it was like, hold it like this. So they get me out of the bowl and they sit, they sit me down. And I'm sitting down, I'm looking at Seattle, and I, I went out. Huh. I passed out, I guess. And Dennis slapped, he said, I blew a big snot bubble, I started drooling, and he slapped me. So when that happened, I actually saw a cartoon. It was, I, they weren't like cartoons, but it was all colorful like cartoons. So I think what it was was a little bit of that, uh, what's that shit, um, that drug? DMT. DMT. Because when you die, I guess your body releases DMT. So I think it was a little bit of adrenaline and DMT that passed me, knocked me the fuck out. Because I saw colors and I did not feel any pain at that point. But when he slapped me and woke me up, the motherfucker, huh. that pain came back real quick. <laughs> so I had to go to the hospital that way. So then I'm riding with that kid and I go down and I'm laying in the street. So when I went down, I felt... When he hit me, the board went out, so it was like somebody kicking the board out. So all my weight went forward and came back on my ankle. And when that went, I went flying across the street. My hand went down. So I grabbed my arm immediately because it was flopping a little bit. 
but the foot was just doing that. And so I'm just laying on the ground. I'm like, Garrett, get your van over here. Get me in that fucking van and get me to the hospital. Neighbors are all out there and they're like, uh, we called the ambulances already. Don't pick him up. I'm like, fuck that. Get me in that van, get me to the hospital. And uh, so the medics got me and took me to the hospital for that one. But yeah, it was, that wasn't fun. Those hurt. So I, like, after that happened, Everybody came down on me, you're too old to skate, you know, you got hurt. I'm like, it wasn't my fault. If it was my fault and I did it, then I can understand, but getting taken out by somebody, I can't end my skating career lifestyle on that. So I just prayed and said, man, I just want to be able to skate, be able to go down that hill again, you know. I don't need to race anymore. I don't have, what do I have to prove? I've got X Games gold. I've got medals. Absolutely. You know? I mean, no question. I don't question. have to prove anything, you know. I, like I said, also coming back from that hiatus and coming back and finding out that I'm a legend or whatever, it was, like, weird. It's like, I'm a skater. I just skateboard, you know. And, yeah, I did some cool shit, but legend, you know. That's how that works. Like, if you do cool shit long enough ago, you're a legend. Yeah. But, you know, it's like it gets thrown around a lot loosely lately. I think legend is more something that should be up, you know, like Hudson. John okay, well, when did, when did Hudson become a legend? <sighs> That's a good question. Uh, it's, it's just because of what he did, you know? What it's kind of what like, he so did. His... He won so many races back in the day, dude. He was freaking unbeatable. You were just telling me how, like, in 1999, you weren't worried about Oh, yeah, about well, yeah, it was good then. It was good then. But, like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Well, like, like, Clutie's fucking a legend. Wait, are you trying to say that you're not a legend because Clutie is? Or that no. Or can't be if you are? No, no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that it's just thrown around loosely. I just think that you got to really do so. I don't think I'm a legend is what I'm saying. I don't think I'm a legend. I think John well, is. Well, luckily, luckily you don't get to decide. <laughs> That's true, I guess. You know, but I, I guess like getting people into it, like Patrick Switzer and a few of these other people have come up to me and said, you know, we started this because we saw you doing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, your name is on a like, very short list of people from your time who are really iconic, especially like the van sponsorship, the independent I don't trucks. think that hurt at all. That did not hurt at all. Like, that, that grants you like a... A level of legitimacy that just wasn't given to other riders from that time and especially sometimes it just comes down to like this is something that hickey was great at like his gear and his aesthetic was always crisp mm -hmm. so he got the photo you know like the mm -hmm. photographer always you know, my knows, stuff like, was always that way too this is what i'm saying like yeah. i you know when i got into this i absolutely saw gravity games racing on tv when i was a kid and for sure like i remember all the drags guys because they like had a look mm -hmm. And you look different than them, cause like with the blue suit, like you, you know. Same well, I did that thing. because of heat, dude. At the top of hills and shit, black leathers. When I changed to a right. light leather suit, it's 20 degrees different inside that suit, which was huge for me. But you stood out. Like your gear was tight, the logos were good. Yeah. Like well, plus I had Jerry Bernardo painting my helmets, which is like right. probably second to Troy Lee. Right. So if, if you're gonna like, if you're gonna look super pro, and then mm -hmm. you're gonna perform in the race super pro. Mm -hmm. That's how you become a legend. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> so you don't have to accept it, but we're not going to No, it's all it. good. It's all good, man. I, it was just weird for me to be out of it for so long, come back, see what's going on on it. And then, because you know, like when I first came back, 
you know, I got on the Facebook because I'd never been a Facebook guy. So I got on there and I started seeing all these people and we started talking and then I got all the striker and he's like, boom, you're in dude. And he got on GoFundMe page and within 14 days they had 1400 bucks raised for leathers from Kelsey. I got a leather suit, you know, uh, you know, and uh, he calls Lanyots. Lanyots sends me three boards, some trucks and wheels and shit, you know, and, and so people were like, here, yeah, you're back. Here's some stuff, you know, you get back into it. And, you know, I, I, you know, I honestly think that skating's definitely helped keep me straight. You know what I mean? Well, definitely you know, not. None like, of us want to see you fail. You know? Oh, dude, I'm not going to fail, dude. I, I've been there, seen it, done it. I've done more drugs than Keith Richards. And he's a cheater because he goes and fucking cleans his blood. Uh, <laughs> dang. Well, that's a fucking quote right there. Man. Yeah, hey, I, think, dude, I think we just got the intro. Hey, <laughs> hey, I, I, I wanted to tell you, I did the, one of these things just recently with Nate with Motion Board uh -huh. Shop. And... Uh, I'm talking with him and he goes, uh, I go, yeah, I'm fucking out cross-training on my motocross bike. He goes, what's, what's, uh, what's motocross cross-training for? I said, getting fucking rad. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know I said it. And then later on, Garrett put something up on the, on the Facebook. He said, what's motocross training for? Getting fucking rad. I was like, that's a good comment. <laughs> Uh, you get some gold sometimes. You just let the shit flow. Sometimes well, you put the your whole foot idea, in your mouth. You know? you know? like, sometimes you get a foot in the mouth. Because at some, point, at some point, you aren't going to be around, you know? Yeah. For, for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be more generations of people doing this. Mm -hmm. And I want them to have a little piece of why you were a legend, you know? Right from your mouth and not just from us talking, yeah. telling yeah. about it. I don't know. I mean, I guess because there's a legend. It's because, like you said, I, I, I kept it, we kept it alive. For a bunch of years when it was dead, mm -hmm. and then it came back hot, so I believe I was in there. I was in an era when, before the X Games and Street Luge, that we were doing television shows to promote our sport and right. get sponsors and get money and work our magic that way. So I guess I could see being legendary in that aspect where I did help progress. This. I mean, I progressed the sport too because, like I said, mine were sleds. Bob had rails. I took the sled and rail combination and made the first red rail sled combination, which is basically the Roger Brothers board. Right, the days. blueprint for the modern street league. Yeah, so I mean, came with, I came up with half the moves that people are doing on street league. The you know, the hip check where you go up before the corner and you put your check over there, but you keep your weight over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm then you preset up and then you drop over. And if you watch the way I rode the street league compared to other people, their feet are up and they're looking over their shit. My feet were pointed. My elbows were rocking and rolled out. So my elbows aren't out, and my head's as low back as I can get it. I mean, people used to call me an envelope because I get so flat. Right, you're a perfect body type for you know? a street loser. And so, and, but these guys all outweighed me by 30 pounds, 40 pounds, and right. that was huge, dude. That's no joke. But see, uh, that's why I became the drafting king back mm -hmm. in the day. I mean, people, you ask anybody I race with back in the Roger Brothers, you want Lee behind you? No. No. <laughs> no. Because I'll reel you in. <laughs> I'll reel you in. And for us, you know, people in our generation, we... We long for the type of recognition and legitimacy that's something like you have a centerfold in Thrasher magazine. Mm. It's been a long time since anything on soft wheels was in Thrasher magazine. Mm. We would love to have that. You know, mm. these like we're sitting here surrounded by like packaged action figurines mm -hmm. and trading cards of you on your street loose. Like that's the type of mainstream recognition and we did three commercials. Right. And at the same yeah. time, you know, you, you and, every, and all your contemporaries were on the cutting edge, on the forefront of progressing sport. Mm -hmm. And kind of almost from its infancy, because like it was a, 
the writing style of Hudson and Hickey and those guys in the late 70s, early 80s was almost incomparable even to where you were at in the late 90s. And then obviously it grew exponentially so, from there. I got a story for you. So in the original days, like I said, Hudson was my idol, yeah. my hero, you know, my legend. So I used to ride like him in the day. I don't even know if my knees work anymore. So my tucks were, I was down. I was low, yeah. but it would wreck my thighs. So I was watching Roger, right? Roger Tuck, yeah, he's doing this, right? And we're riding Mammoth, and I'd been out drinking the night before, and we were up to the start line, and the cop up there were bored. And I'm like, I feel like I'm fucking wrecked still. He goes, you want to take a breathalyzer? <laughs> so I said, sure. I said, you're not going to arrest me, right? <laughs> so we get the breathalyzer out, and I blow, uh, I think, a 1-2. One, a one, or a 1-1, one, one. and yeah, you're legally drunk in the state of California. So I'm watching Roger, and I'm at Mammoth, my legs are burning, and I'm like, so I'm gonna take the hickey thing, and I'm gonna kind of mix it with the Hudson thing. And so I kind of took what Roger was doing up here, but bringing my stuff to my chest, but kind of using his little knee tuck uh -huh. thing. You know, I wasn't, go I, can't, I can't do what you guys do where you get in the back of the knee, it hurts, and down here it hurts. Yeah. But if I get this pocket of my knee here and there, just in there like that, I'm good, mm -hmm. you know? And I figured I could get longer runs because I'm not burning the fuck out of my, I was way faster like that, but. It'd be brutal. Dude, it's brutal, dude. Anything with corners would be really tough. I can do it at Mary on like the lefty up there. I just drop down and I rest on my leg and I can kind of get in there. I'm more mm -hmm. of a resting, but John's up off of his leg. He's not on his legs. So right. It's kind of a cheating thing I can kind of do, and I'll go toe side to the corner like that. Uh, I forget. I think it was a free ride maybe seven or eight years ago, and Hudson showed up here. Yeah. And just hanging out. I think he has a place in Hood River. Uh-huh. And he was super nice, you know. I mean, obviously, Fucking I was great guy. I dude. was fired up to get to meet him. Yeah. But he had stickers with him that I still Hut have. Tuck? One of the, yeah, the Hut Tuck sticker. Yeah, I had a Hut Tuck shirt and I had a few Hut Tuck stickers, but they all went bye bye in my storage. Yeah. yeah, John's great. I'd love to get his number and talk to him. I haven't talked to him in years. Super good yeah, guy. Maybe he's on Facebook. No, he doesn't fuck with that okay. shit. <laughs> he doesn't fuck with that. His wife's fucking cool shit too. Love those guys. But yeah, so I mean, I got some. I cheated and stole some stuff here and there. You know, to modify my tuck and, and stuff because I just didn't, I didn't practice, dude. It just, it'd be one of, I'd just go and do it. Right. You know, I, I, uh, in my mind, I had enough practice. Well, when I was clearly, a kid, I skated everywhere. Right. You, you had know? some talent and some gumption. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's half of it, too. If you're, if, if you're like, say, a seven on a fucking stand up scale, you know, you're good, but you're not like an eight or nine. If you got that in your brain, you can go from a seven to an eight or nine real quick if you believe in yourself. Well, like what you were saying about the the, uh, the sight game. Mm -hmm. If you're a seven but you believe that you're a nine, you can take that nine and make them believe they're a seven. Yeah, yeah. That, that's Roger's game. I, yeah. I didn't really play since like people were already, you know, I didn't have to throw a psych. People didn't want to race me. Right. Because if they, well, but they part of throwing the psych is that you you've got six X Games medals in your you know, hanging on your wall and your gear looks Donner super pass. crisp and, you know, you won all these races. Like, the sight comes with you. So, I, got, I just remember. So, so, Donner Pass, right, final. Me, Dane. Dane was hot at that point, too. I thought for sure Dane would smoke us. 
So you come over the bridge, right? When you come over the bridge, you go right, and there's that lefty, mm -hmm. right? And it's pretty wide, and there's a lane. I think there's even like six feet on the inside white. So we're all out. I think I'm in third, right? We're all out. Everybody's going wide. And I just said, fuck, dude. Why are they out there? And I just dove the inside, cut the road in half, and just left them all. And they were done, dude. I couldn't believe it. I was like, why are you guys out here? And I passed three people. I think it was Gary, Todd, and Manu or somebody. But, yeah, I couldn't believe they left the door open on that one. I was like, fuck, it was just open. I would have gotten first in Street Luge and first in stand-up that day if Biker didn't spin me. Because we were coming around that righty for the finish line, and he was he let, he starting to drift out. He didn't apex corner right, and I hit the corner right, and it's coming around the inside, and he just went into my back. Fucking, we both spun out, and he got stuck between a tree, and I flipped my board, and I ran over to make sure he was all right. And he gets up. And he fucking pushes me out of the way, gets on his board, goes across the finish, and I think he gets second. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I look over, here goes Rock. <laughs> he gets third. And I, or no, I got third. I think I got back on my board and I got third. So I got a 1 3 at that race. But I never got a race where I got a first in stand up and a first in street luge. But I got a, a podium in that one. So. so when we did the podcast with Roger, uh, he said that you would you would know the story about the alleged day that he he fought biker at some race. There's video of it. You haven't seen video of it? No. Who's got video of it? <sighs> I think it. After I got to really dig deep for this one. I, I I don't know. I think it's on. It's a, one of those old Benelli races. It's an old Benelli video. I think it's on the internet somewhere. Oh. But they, so it's at the bottom of the hill. They both got off. Biker and him had put up a bet. The biker and him were going at it big time all day. They put up a bet for $1,000 or some shit or a hundred. I can't remember. I think what he said 1000 but I think, I, think I think it was a G. I think it was a G. And they were like, because biker had it. Biker had money and Roger had money, but so they put it up. They get there was controversy all the way down the hill. Biker beat him, I think, but they were bashing all the way down. Same thing happened with me and him on the street loose. So something happened, bashing all the way down the hill, and they come across the finish line. The video starts. I can't remember where I was. If I was no, but the video starts. So you see, they're both in. Bikers in the black speed suit and the helmet. So they get off their helmets and they're right at the end of the finish line on the straightaway and they both run at each other. And I think one of them, I think one of them was swinging and one of them grabbed the hair and they ended up going down on the ground and rolling around. And I think one of them had, cause they both got long hair <laughs> at that point. And I think Biker had Hickey by the hair, Hickey had Biker by the hair. And I think they were trying to grab him so they could just start railing on him. But they were rolling around. There was a little bit of hair pulling going on. I think maybe a couple of little short blows got exchanged, but like 30 people ran over there and ripped them apart. And then they fucking walking back to their fucking pits. And bikers yelling at Hickey, and Hickey's yelling at Biker. Everybody's like, I got more talent in my little piggy than you got in your whole body. <laughs> it, was, it was funny. I got a kick out of it. Uh, yeah, I thought there'd be, you know, I thought there'd be more blows going okay, between yes, those two. That yeah. story's not, it's a lot, it's not nearly as exciting. No, it was, <laughs> you know, I thought for sure there'd be more blows going, but like I said, it was more kind of like, 
when they attack each other, I think, you know, the gold locks were flying everywhere, so it was like, just grab them. But, yeah, it, it wasn't too exciting, but they came up all red-faced and were all heated as they walked back to the pits. And everybody was like, oh, calm down, calm down. But, yeah, there's some good times. Yeah, I used to make him bring me a bong to every event. Spiker? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. he owned DBS bogs. So he'd bring me a bog to every event, and then I'd use it on the weekend and just give it away to somebody and get pissed off because I kept giving his bogs away. Yeah, whatever, you get them. It's yeah, I was like, hey, man, I can use it. I'm good. I'm glad, you know, I mean, obviously, but I, I, I'm glad that I got to ride with Biker and that, you know, I get to see him race here a couple of times. Yeah. I, I wish I would have got to start down with him. I'm trying to get Dane to come up. That'd be really I'm cool. I'm really trying to get Dane to come up. He's going to come up at some point. I only I'm met him once. Yeah. At a, like a trade show. Trade really shows. liked him, man. He was always like, you know, because it was, you know, when you're on the dregs team, if there was an issue, me and Biker have the issue, they kind of, you know, I was friends with them, and then it kind of all got cold because of the issue we had. But Dane was always, hey, Lee, you know, Dane was always cool about it. He's like, fuck that guy, I don't care, you know. He wasn't like under his thumb like a lot of people were. So huh. I like Dane. I talk to him every once in a while. I'll call him, hey, Dane, you coming up? Whatever, dude. Come on the hill. We watch you on the hill, dog. You know, the old boy's out here. Let's get out and ride. Right. It'd probably be a trip for him just to, even if he didn't come up and ride, if he just came up and saw what's going on. The state of things, you know? Mm. How many people are here this weekend and how fast they're going. Yeah, I can't believe it. And I can, like I said earlier when we were talking, I just wanted to be able to go down the hill again. Like, that's why I don't. I don't need to race. I don't have any proof. I just want to be able to go down the hill and have fun. But I still got the racer instinct in me, and my brain still thinks I'm fucking a badass. So <laughs> he's cashing checks that my body can't cash. Oh, basically. that's a hard deal, man. When yeah. you, you know what you could be capable of, but you haven't kept your membership current. Yeah, and also the drugs. And I've, like I said, I've had brain injuries. I've had a lot of concussions. You know, from other things I've done. Um, I, the CT shit, I might have a bit of that because I find myself going left sometimes. You know, it's drug abuse, concussions, old age, whatever. But balance isn't there all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I just deal with it. You know, it's like I just want to be able to do what I enjoy still, and I don't know at what point I'm gonna have to pack it up and put it in. You know, like Tad. Tad's sixty something, and he's still getting after it, but he's starting to. Yeah, he didn't show up this weekend. Right, you know, he's, he's tapering starting, down. He's tapering down a bit, you know, and when do I do that, you know? And, you know, I wish I would have had a chance to get in cars when Travis and Dave and all those guys had a chance to get in cars because I would have been good. Yeah. I, I, I'll fucking hammer it. You know, I'm a decent driver, but I got lines. I know how it works. You know, I would put A and B together to make C. One of the things where your heart rate goes down and you're able to just be cool and focus. Yeah. You know, that'll let well, you like, do a lot. Well, like, if you watch the, it's a, it's a, it's a, like a minute shot of me of the 95 X Games. Well, I, okay, out of the six X Games I went to, I qualified first three of the years. Nice. But couldn't win. Huh. So, it was an X Games curse for Street Leaders, dude. I should have won at least one or two gold medals over my time. I didn't. So, the video, and then Jack Aroot and Paul, pa Paul Page, the voice of Indy, is watching and they're breaking down my run they're like if he was in an indie car he would be taking the perfect line because i was all the way out and banging the inside line and all the way out to the bales mm -hmm. and, uh, and they're just talking highly of me and i like felt really good from race car drivers you know i mean these guys have been around racing and i was trying to get jack to hook me i was like jack dude how do i get into racing he's like legends cards dude legends cards they're cheap i'm like jack 
how do I get into Rage? <laughs> right. You got a Legends of Car? Will you sponsor me a Legends of Car? And then we'll go racing. Right. I'm a poor broke bastard, man. I, I, my mom brought me over here from England as a single parent and raised me in the 70s as a waitressing job, you know? I grew up in Bellevue. It's a very, very, very rich area. I mean, I, I'd be partying at my buddy's house, two, three million dollar houses on the water in the 80s and shit with elevators in them and stuff. We'd party on the water at these mansions. We'd go down to these parties and shit and we'd just go straight to the parents' bedroom trying to find the keys for the boats. So that we get fucked up and we'd go down and take their boats out and just hammer the shit out of the boats and bring them back. And we broke the fucking motor off the back with transom one time. It's just fucking hanging there. Pulled it back and tried to fuck her up through the keys oh. back. You know, I grew up with people like, the guy had a $20,000 teak table, his parents' teak table in the room, and he pulled the cover back off of it, and we're doing slammers on it with fucking 151, and the kid broke the shot glass, and 151 ate all the teak tart finish off. Uh -huh. So he takes his dad's gold card, he goes and buys a sander and some finishing shit, and fucks it up even worse, puts the cover back over it, and I think it took him like two months to figure it out. Two months later, they came unglued on him. Oh, I think it cost him like five grand to refinish the table. Holy shit. So, yeah, I, I grew up with a lot of rich. I grew up in a rich era, single mom, and, you know, went through some shit, but. Well, we're glad to have you, man. We're glad you stuck around. I got you know, lucky, like, dude. I like came you back. said, there are how many people from your. You're kind of graduating class of, of well, racers that are no longer with Sean, us. Sean Goulart, my teammate, committed suicide. Gary Hartwick committed suicide. Biker committed suicide. Um, I believe uh, Reed yeah. Lowry committed suicide. There's four right there. So, you know, um, you know, and then Waldo died of, you know, probably bad liver because he was hitting alcohol hard. Tom Mason died because he had, he got cancer. You know, a lot of the guys, you know, I'm getting to the age where people are dying, bro. <laughs> you know, it's just, you get that age, you know. Like I said, I don't feel 54, you know what I mean? And for how hard, I mean, I'm a hard 54. Oh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, know what I mean? A lot of and the drugs, tires. the drugs, dude, yeah, I mean, it wore on me hard. And, I mean, 54, do people, dude, you're 54? I mean, people think, you know, mid-40s for me, you know, 10 years younger than I look. So, and that's not, if, if I had a full set of teeth, I think I could pull it off, you know? <laughs> well, you look like a pumpkin, you know? You can see some time in there, I mean, but I'm not too wrinkled. I mean, no, I'm in pretty I, decent shape no, for I a 50-year-old, you know? I believe mid-40s. You know, I mean, I'm in pretty decent shape for all the shit I've gone through, you know? I, I'm pretty happy. Like I said, I, I've been up on my career. I've been down on my career. I've been in the fucking basement and had to go down lower and got out of there. And now the point of my life where I'm... I'm content with myself and what I'm doing, you know, I'm, you know, I'm happy, I've got good people around me, I've got an awesome girlfriend I've had for five years that's like supported me and, and been there for me the whole time and she's awesome without her i think that and skating and being involved in this again and also just having some companies get back behind me again and, and help out an old guy you know what i mean i had subsonic making me a, a pro model board and then they went under so i might even find a company and say hey man just give an old man a board you know i don't need any royalties off it i just would like something out there that people can collect and throw on their wall or something i can autograph for them mm -hmm. you know and uh, it'd be cool to just have a board again, you know. I talked to you about getting a couple sets of wheels here and there, you know. Yeah. I'm already representing. I'm always throwing down the Venom and sharing the Venom shit because uh, they're fast wheels. And, you know, we got a connection. We go back a ways. Well, you know? did your, your daughter took some runs this weekend? Oh, yeah. And so this weekend I got her out there on the hill, and she took some runs. 
ate shit a few times. I actually got her to go stand up from the uh, tree at Cowser's, and she got out of Cowser's, but she was on a board with Indies on it. They weren't set up quite right, so she wobbled and ate shit. So I gave her my board with the Paris's on it after that, and she made it down, and tomorrow she thinks she wants to go from the top. But yeah. all right. so we'll see what happens. I, she got leathers on, she just bail on her ass, you know. And if she stands up and there's no tailwinds, you'll be alright. Just make sure he doesn't come One around you <laughs> because he will kidnap you. <laughs> so probably the best runs I've ever had on this hill is getting kidnapped by uh, Zach. So what was it? Hey, we gotta get one of those going tomorrow. We were playing today, uh, keep whoever we picked in front. So Definitely yeah, keep keep Limo in front. I'm putting on leathers if you guys are playing that game. All right. Yeah, do so, I do so? So well, you're safest yeah. if you're in front, though. I know that's true. So you last time and you jacked me uh, from Ryan. Where I was last run of the day and I'm like <laughs> last run of the weekend. I'm like I'm gonna take a mellow run down Mariel. I've never done it. And I see you well, and that, you fuckers yeah. all lurking over there. <laughs> and I go by and I said, Dennis, and I put the board down and I hear you go go. And I go, fuck. And so I push, and I feel Ryan pushing me through the first lefty. And then all of a sudden, I get slingshot. And so Ryan says, Zach, pass me, reach back, grab my ass, and just sent me. And at that point, we're gone. And we get down into the repeaters, and there was a couple guys in front of us. And Zach gives me another fucking, like... 99.99% boost <laughs> and it fucking shoves me into these two guys and I'm like up on an inch off this guy's ass like nose of my board off his tail the other guy is like locked into the left of me and we're going through the lefty on the righty and I'm like am I going to go be able to split these guys and go out that way or go on the inside I think I went on the inside but I got past him and I look over, and Zach pulls up next to me, and he's shotgun. Like, dude, and you get no, like, as long as I've known Zach, you would, really don't get too, ex the dude doesn't get excited. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you don't, bro. <laughs> and he's just shotgun, he's all pumped, and we get down to the bottom, and he looks at me, and he goes, Lemo, I got all that on camera. <laughs> and it was like, my legs were wasted. I had no right skating at that level, because my legs were fried. And it was like, the adrenaline took over once again, and just, it was, that was so fun, that run. That run was a blast. Did you ever watch it? Yeah, oh yeah. It was the thing made it into our video from that year. No, you said it was going to be in the, the second one or something. It wasn't in the Eat Shit 2. You said what you were going to do is Eat Shit. Oh, okay. Well, Eat Shit 2 hasn't come out. Have you guys cut it? Well, it's like 37 minutes long. We're not going to put it out until, well, it's going to be longer than that, but right now it's about 37 minutes, and we're not going to put it out until we can do a proper premiere tour. Okay. So Did probably you say 20. I made it into that one? Well, almost certainly. If you didn't, we got to get something tomorrow for it. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Keep you guys got to catch me early because I got to have leg. That's if fine. If you're going to take me. If you're going to fuck me up, I got to have leg, okay? All right. I, I enjoy it because I mean, I'm just so old. I can't get in there with you guys. You guys are just, your tucks are so, I just, I, legs don't work like they used to, dude. The body is not there. Drug abuse, old age, and I'm just out of shape, but like. When you guys shove me and I'm in there with you, I could get in there and run with like you. Like you said, a bit. The, the mindset doesn't go anywhere. And yeah. When you're activated, you're in. Yeah, I, it's just so fun. I mean, like getting shoved, you guys. I know you get off on it. Oh yeah. <laughs> that fucking old man. Let's see what he can do. Just jump into these two. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, he made it. Fuck yeah. Let's do it again. <laughs>